Do you guys hear me? I think we're live. Let me double check here. Cool. I think we're live. Are we live? Should be live. Yeah, we're live. All right. If you guys can hear me, go ahead and give me a yes in the chat. I'm just going to pull the chat up here. I uh, want to check if we can hear me. All right, cool. I think we are. Okay, cool. We got a, we got a yes. We're good to go. All right, guys, so we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm just going to do a little quick intro, then we'll get right into the question. So, hey, everyone, this is Victor from Cyborg for Life, and I want to welcome you to Hey, what's up? <laughs> Welcome you to episode three of Limiting Live, where the patients get to interview the guests uh, in this live stream question and answer. And today I'm joined by, well, I'm joined by myself. That's right. I'm all alone in this empty building, but I have you guys here. So um, for those of you who don't know, I had uh, limiting surgery to fix a discrepancy years ago. And um, I'm, uh, you know, pretty much it changed my life. It literally changed my life. And uh, it's a life-changing procedure. So I'm also a pro-natural bodybuilder who's planning to win the world championships one day, hopefully sooner than later, so I can hurry up and retire, you know, because this crap is destroying me. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I'm here to answer you guys' questions on fitness, nutrition, and some general Lemington questions if I'm qualified to answer them. So we're going to go ahead and get started. I have uh, some submitted questions here that I'm going to answer first, and then it's going to be an open queue, and you guys can just ask your questions in the chat. Awesome. I got some good people in the chat there. So, all right, so let's go ahead and get started right here, guys. So, um... Somebody submitted a question. They said, Victor, what were your concerns about painkillers going into the procedure, considering the opioid crisis in the United States? So this is a really good question because, honestly, I had no concerns because I don't really take pain meds as it is. Uh, if I have, like, you know, an ache or some sort of, like, injury or something like that, I'm going to do my best to try to figure out what the root cause is and, you know, heal it that way. I won't take, you know... I'll, unless it's like a strain or something like that, I'll take ibuprofen or some anti-inflammatory. But in terms of narcotics, things that you're going to be addicted to, I had no concerns. I had no worries myself. But now if you are considering limiting surgery and you are already – you're worried that you might become addicted to it, definitely bring this up with your surgeon at your consultation because that is a concern, okay? But here's the thing. The actual pain from the surgery itself probably won't last more than two to three weeks. So you're probably going to be okay – um, and your, your goal is to kind of reduce as much pain as soon as possible so you can hurry up and get off the pain meds, okay? Like, those things can make you feel really, really sluggish and crappy all day, so you don't want to be taking those, you know, day in, day out. So I had no real worries about that, the, the actual painkillers. I took Tylenol, actually, you know, pretty much week two into week three, but... All right, question number two was, how would you describe the different kinds of pain? Like bone pain, nerve pain, muscle muscle pain, and is stiffness a pain? Yes, it is. Um, great question. So, so bone pain itself, that kind of happened within the first, like, it was like a freaking inferno within the first three days. Now, every patient's different. Every patient's going to have different pain tolerances, even if they can take pain, okay? Because I, I consider myself a high pain tolerance person. However, I was in a lot of pain within the first three days, and I was on some serious IV drips. Like, um, I don't know what they gave me, but it was some powerful stuff. And um, so the bone pain itself actually did hurt quite a bit. Um, but as they wean you off from the IV to the orals as you're discharged from the hospital, you're going to notice that the bone pain itself 
is not going to be as bad as you think it is. Because here's the thing, your bone is fixated. You have like an external fixator, an internal lengthening nail, whatever it is, it's all fixated. Like your bone's not going to be moving. Well, again, you, you want to be careful when you're moving, be cautious of your movements. Um, don't rush. There's no rush. You're not going anywhere for two to three months, <laughs> maybe even longer. Um, so yeah, so the actual bone pain isn't as bad as you think it is. The nerve pain, however, especially for patients who are going for max or extreme length, let's say eight centimeters on the femurs or five centimeters on the tibias, you're pushing that tissue, that soft tissue and the, the nerve tissue uh, along with it. So you're going to get some nerve irritation. That's almost a given. I got some nerve irritation. I didn't go anywhere close to an extreme amount. Um, so I would say that you, if you get like nerve irritation, first of all, expect nerve irritation, but if it gets really bad and it's like, con you know, constant, talk to your doctor, see if they can, you know, prescribe you some sort of nerve medication, gabapentin, whatever it is. And uh, that should help you out a good amount. Uh, Painkillers help a lot. And just trying to find out what positions you can put yourself into to kind of reduce as much pain as possible, okay? Uh, muscle pain, yeah, as, like I said, as you start to lengthen, you're gonna get a lot of like tension, okay? Especially if you, you get uh, closer to your lengthening goal. Like if you're, let's say you're going for, like I said, the eight centimeters on the femurs, as you approach past, I always hear this from surgeons, the five centimeter threshold is where things start to get challenging, like five, six centimeters on the femurs. So you're gonna probably notice that your hamstrings get ridiculously tight, okay? And although you're still doing physical therapy day in, day out and hours of stretching every day, you're gonna notice that there is pain from your, oh, let me just fix my computer here, pain from your muscles that, um, I don't know why that's moving, but anyway, uh, that, that really does give you some irritation. So nerve, muscle pain is probably gonna be your biggest pain for limb lengthening surgery, for sure. Um, but stiffness, this is a really good one. So I would say that I had stiffness, like I had the tibia done, and the, the, the stiffness I had really did continue on past my consolidation. Like it, it didn't really alleviate 100% until about the two year mark, two, two and a half year mark. Um, and even then I started to put on a, an ankle sleeve and a calf sleeve to kind of help warm up my joint, my ankle joint and keep my calf warm, you know, for the tissue. So that as I started the day, it was able to get some of that, that warmth. So I had some cushioning and I noticed that the pain wasn't as bad that way, because here's the thing, as you lengthen the muscle tissue, we know that it lengthens and possibly even grows with hyperplasia that tissue is going to be really weak and it, it needs time to adapt to the type of activities that you were used to, like running, uh, you know, whatever, hiking, whatever you do when you're, you know, lifting, whatever it is. So you're going to notice that the stiffness does continue on for up to, I'd say, two, two and a half years. For me, it was closer to two and a half years. And um, I remember when the first time I pulled 600 pounds from the floor, um, that's when I noticed it was like, literally, like, I think it was 18 months. Uh, sorry, it was like a yeah, a little over 24 months after my surgery. And I said, okay, I'm pretty much uh, back to 100% by that point. So um, stiffness is a pain as well. Yeah, so muscle pain and stiffness pain is probably gonna be the, the most pain that you're gonna get from the surgery after the initial four weeks. Four to six weeks, the bone pain, the nerve pain is gonna be closer to the end of distraction. And then that, from what I hear from patients, they say that the nerve pain really starts to alleviate because of the fact that you're not stretching them out anymore. So, all right. Next question that was submitted was, how are you able to exit pain meds completely after two weeks. Was it really bearable then? Um, okay, yeah, so so how did I get off of, go off of my pain meds within two weeks? Oh, this is actually kind of by accident. So <laughs> so what happened was is that um, I actually had, like, like I said, I had the tibia done and Dr. Conway, my surgeon, she actually created this, this full leg cast with a, um, 
it was like with a foot dorsiflex so that I didn't get any uh, Aquinas contracture at night. And um, what, what, what I noticed is that when I put on this full leg cast, within the first two weeks, your legs are going to be really swollen. You can ask any patient who has, whether it's bilateral cosmetic surgery or, you know, a single leg uh, unilateral limbic discrepancy, your leg is going to be swollen after you get, get your leg broken. It's, it's just a given fact. So by compressing my leg down with this full leg cast, when I opened it up in the morning, I noticed that my leg was less swollen. And I was like, hmm, and I didn't have as much pain. Then I would, you know, get some pain and swelling throughout the day, getting up to do my physical therapy and stuff. But then I would put the full leg cast on again. The next day it was less swollen. I did this for a full week after week, you know, because I figured it out after about week two, because that's when she made it for me. And then it was gone. And that's how I went off of my pain meds, because I was like, I don't need it anymore. Like I had no pain because the swelling and the inflammation is what really causes the pain right after surgery. You've got to understand that it's not really your muscle. You're not going to need to really go crazy on physical therapy until about four to six weeks or even deeper into your lengthening. And you're not going to have a whole lot of uh, nerve pain either. It's going to be from the swelling of the tissues, okay, in the break. So you definitely want to try to alleviate that as soon as possible. And I've heard some people, you know, patients said that they do hydrotherapy. Excuse me. They go into the pool, and then the, comp the compression of the, the greater depth of the water helps to uh, alleviate some of the pain as well. Uh, yeah, I see these questions coming into the chat. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. I'm going to be answering those soon. Um, number four, uh, would you say that you are a high pain tolerance individual? Did, you, did it have something to do with you only having one leg done? No, no, I don't think so. I think that I am a high pain tolerance individual. Um, for those of you who don't know, I actually had more than one broken leg. Um, it started when I was nine years old. I was crossing the street to go to the library to look up Pokemon cards because we didn't have – when I was growing up, I didn't have a computer at the house. So basically, I, uh, a car ran, ran a red light, and then it hit me, broke my femur, and uh, a lot worse than that. But pretty much is that I had an external fixator there. Two years later, I broke my leg on my tibia on roller skates, and that's what actually caused the discrepancy because the growth plates were – damaged. And then, um, you know, about 12 years later from there, when I was 23, I had a, uh, the, the limb lengthening surgery. So yeah, three different broken legs and uh, multiple head wounds throughout the years. Um, you know, here, I have a scar here, scar here. I was a stupid kid. Let's just, let's just say that. So um, in fact, one time I was going down the street on a scooter that my friend told me had brakes and it didn't have brakes. And if I find this kid, but anyway, <laughs> and apparently I was trying to stop myself and I went into, I was going so fast down this hill and I went into the, the front yard of somebody. And then before I knew it, my head had hit the, the brick uh, wall of somebody's house and I was bloodied and battered. And the guy carried me up to my house and then took me to the hospital and stitched it up. But anyway, that's, that's it. So yeah, I think I would, I am a high pain tolerance individual. Um, and uh, I think that also my sport of, you know, bodybuilding has allowed me to have this ridiculous amount of pain tolerance because to do what I do day in, day out, you have to have a little bit of grit, meaning like you can handle a little bit of getting knocked around and you get back up essentially. And I think that that's what Dr. Robbins was saying in his uh, Limb Lengthening Live. He was saying that, you know, patients, if you're considering Limb Lengthening Surgery, get active, do something, whether it's running, going to the gym, playing tennis, racquetball, basketball, volleyball, frisbee. I don't care. Just get up and do something. He was right because when you do that, you, 
you're being active, you're using your physicality, and that's going to help you prepare a little bit better for this surgery, okay? Me, I was already, multi, I was, I, this, the hospital was like my second home, so I was very used to it. Um, I still was, you know, shocked by it, because again, you go in fine, you have no pain, and then all of a sudden, you wake up from the surgery with a ton of pain, okay? Even if you're looped up on all kinds of painkillers, you're going to feel some pain, whether it's between pain doses, okay? All right, patient number two, question uh, here. These are still the submitted questions, and we have some in the chat on the webinar, and then we're going to go into the chat on YouTube. You guys are awesome. All right, so I am a casual OMAD. Oh, she put in parentheses here. One meal a day dieter. Once I have surgery, should I eat three meals a day or at least two meals just like anyone else? Great question. So, so if let's just say right now you're an office worker, you work from home remotely, or you know, you, if you go into the office, whatever it is, and you're eating once a day and you have a small appetite, that's fine. You can get by on that. And if you're not very active, you don't need a whole lot of you know, uh, calories, that's fine. However, once you have limb lengthening surgery, okay, your body is going to try to use all kinds of resources to heal that trauma, essentially. And you're going to need more food, okay? Now, one reason why one meal a day might not work for you is because you have to eat a lot of food, right? And let's just think that, you know, we've all had, you know, holiday gatherings with families and friends. You can eat a lot at one meal, but you can't eat all that you need at one meal, okay? So breaking it up into multiple meals is going to be best because you can get um, more calories spread out and it's not going to, like, kill your gut. Uh, the other reason is why is because of protein synthesis. Protein synthesis, you get – when you eat once, you get a bolus of food and it hopefully has protein in it, which I preach about – all the time, you're going to get a, a kick in protein synthesis, a nice little surge. And if you eat one big meal a day, you get one big surge. And then it's that, excuse me, downhill from there. So if you eat multiple meals a day, you get lots of little surges. So that's actually why I eat a lot of meals a day right now. I'm not a big, I don't, I don't like to eat as much as people think I do. Like I eat because of my sport. I eat because I want protein synthesis to happen throughout the day. So I can put on a ridiculous amount of muscle and win the world championships one day, baby. So, <laughs> so yeah, I would recommend that you try to up your meal intake. Um, it's a good thing to kind of prepare yourself for the surgery, get into the habit of eating a little bit, you know, a little bit more frequently. I would say that you're probably best with at least two meals a day, possibly three. And you're going to probably notice that after surgery, you're, you're, you're going to start losing weight. And I will talk about that in a little bit, but um, you're going to want to eat a little bit more, okay, because of the fact that... Um, you're just going to want to like recover faster. When Think about it. When you get hurt, let's say that you bang your toe on the, the side of a table in your house or something like that. What will happen is, is that when you're, if you're like in a deficit, meaning that you're not eating enough, it's going to take a lot longer to heal versus if you're in a surplus or even a maintenance where your body can have the natural resources that it needs to kind of repair the damage, okay? Awesome. So those were the, the questions that were submitted. Um, I have some topics we'll talk about later if we don't have any questions, but we're going to go into the live, the webinar chat, and then we're going to go to the YouTube chat. You guys are really piling them in here, so I didn't think I was going to be this popular. I appreciate it, guys. All right, so let's see here. Um, what do I go to? Question and answer here. All right, so question number one. Hi, how long before I should start to work out before surgery, before the surgery? Great question. So it depends on what you're doing now, okay? So I always ask people, what are you doing now? So if you're not doing anything, let's just assume that you're not doing anything right now. Um, you're going to want to start at least, in my opinion, eight weeks minimum, okay? Obviously, if you haven't done anything, you just came across this video today and your surgery is in a month, start as soon as possible. But let's say that your surgery is not for six months. Start at least eight weeks out. I'd recommend at least 12. I mean, 12 is preferable. And as soon as possible, let's say 16 weeks, 
if your surgery is in four months um, or six months, whatever, start, start as soon as possible because it's going to just build the repetition, the habit, and that's important because that's going to build the discipline that you need for physical therapy, which you, a lot of people don't understand that if you don't have the habits down to go from doing nothing or just a little bit to doing a lot, it's overwhelming. Not to mention your legs hurt. You're going to be not getting a lot of sleep. You're going to feel like crap. You're going to have to focus on eating, lengthening, going to physical therapy, doing work. If you have to work, if you have a job as it is and doing, you know, remote work, whatever it is, um, keeping this quiet from family and friends, all that. So there's a lot that goes on when lengthening. So you want to do your best to kind of have stuff that's already in repetition and routine. And then that way you can transition a lot better. So start as soon as possible. I would say 12 weeks is best. All right, anonymous attendee. I am 162 centimeters tall, doing seven centimeters femur, doing seven, seven centimeters on the femurs. Do you think that would look okay? Uh, um, so, okay, so this is a proportion question. You guys have a really, this is really cool because I'm actually reading a book from a proportion and human growth expert. I'm planning to do an interview with him. Um, it's a pretty intense book and he did a lot of research. He's like a PhD. The guy's super smart, but, um, I'm going to be hopefully getting that interview out. I just got to finish the book <laughs> and being busy all the time. It's tried hard, but it's kind of hard, but I'm going to do that. But anyway, if you're 162 centimeters, um, I can't really say. I can't really say, honestly, because I don't have any pictures of you. I don't really know what your current proportions are. I don't know how, uh, what your interlimb ratio is like. I don't know what your uh, leg to body ratio, your arm to body. So I really can't say. But if you increase your femur seven centimeters, you're not going to be numerically perfect. Your, your, your proportions will be skewed. I won't lie to you. Um, however, will people notice? That's a whole other question. Okay. So, um, I think that no, because seven centimeters, if you're, if you're a guy, I, I don't know, because you're anonymous. So if you're a guy and you're covering your legs with like, you know, long shorts or shorts, it's going to, it's going to hide a lot of that skewed proportion. Okay. So you're probably not going to have a big issue with people noticing. Will you notice when you go, you're taking a shower and you're, you're looking at yourself in the mirror or whatever? Yes, you probably will. You probably will notice that your proportions aren't perfect. Um, but who cares, right? Like it doesn't matter because you're not going to be walking around naked outside, I hope. So, all right. So I don't think you're going to be noticed by anybody else, but will your proportions be perfect? No, they won't. Um, now if you get the tibias, then your interlimb ratio will be more balanced. However, will your proportions be to your leg, leg to body ratio to your, um, yeah, will your leg to body ratio be proportioned? Probably not. It's, it's going to be skewed. But again, there has been studies saying that longer legs are more attractive. Okay. It's, this was in a, a study, that, uh, a research paper that I read, and I think they were, the subjects were men and they had, you know, um, it was for a, they did a heterosexual study and they had women who were looking at the men and they were saying that, you know, guys with longer legs are more attractive. So limb lengthening may work in your favor there. So, all right. So I answered that. All right, let's see here. I'm going to do jaw surgery due to health problems. Should I schedule the surgery before or after limb lengthening? Um, what, what's more important to you? Like, honestly, if you want to do the jaw surgery and you have, you said health problems, so get that done first. That's, that's more important, definitely. Health before appearance. Okay, what supplements should we be taking before and after surgery? Okay, so this is actually a really big question. I actually want to kind of touch on this um, in one segment, but yeah, I guess we can just answer it right up front. So, before surgery are kind of like the same supplements you probably should take during surgery and then after minus a few. Okay. So I don't want to give, excuse me, gosh, man, that pasta. See, being half Italian, man, my embracing my heritage. <laughs> um, so the supplements that you should definitely be taking are definitely your vitamins, like multivitamin. I recommend collagen or your vitamin C, which is going to help with collagen synthesis. Uh, vitamin D3, obviously. Uh, just check with your surgeon before you start going to 
pound vitamin D3 because they may actually prescribe you stuff and they want to make sure your levels are, you know, not going to be too toxic and whatever. Um, what else? Um, Pre-surgery, you can take fish oil, but leading like a week or two out, you can probably stop because it can thin your blood and they're going to give you a blood thinner anyway. So you don't want to like, you know, overdo it. Um, what else? There's, there's so many supplements that I recommend. Um, in fact, I have a video on it, but I would say you want to make sure that you're taking a multivitamin. You want to take calcium, okay, because you want to make sure you're not deficient in that. You want to get your body used to these supplements. You want to be used to taking the supplements, you see, because what you take is almost just as important as how will you take them, okay, because getting into the routine of taking supplements is hard. I forget some days, you know, when I'm rushing out to go to work and whatever. It's very hard to remember, so you need to get into the habits. It's just like working out before the surgery. Get into the habits now so that you can have it ready to go when surgery comes around, but during surgery, you want to probably stop the fish oil, keep the vitamin D3 going, go, keep the calcium going. Um, I recommend whey protein or protein shakes because it's going to help with the protein synthesis, um, especially if you're not, you don't have a huge appetite after surgery. Um, vitamin C with the collagen synthesis, which is going to help your bone heal. It's going to help the soft tissues and the incision sites heal. Um, multivitamin just for general overall health. Plus, it has a lot of micro minerals that you probably can't get elsewhere. Uh, and if it has antioxidants in it, it's huge. Um, but yeah, supplements don't, don't overdo it. Just take the ones that I kind of mentioned here and you're going to probably be okay because I don't take a whole lot like I used to. I used to say, I need this one and this one and this one and this one. I was just crazy. Just find out what's efficient, what you need it for and what you do. Like if you're like, if you're a pro natural bodybuilder, you might need a little bit more because you're expending a lot more when you go to the gym every single day. But if you're just like, Hey, like I might play, I might be a weekend warrior and I go to the gym on the weekends, you might not need as much. Okay. So, um, and then after the surgery, like consolidation, you can just kind of wean off some of those and keep some of them going until you're fully healed. Okay. All right. And then last one from the live webinar, we're going to answer this. How high should the calorie intake be for an average female after the surgery? Great question. This is going to take a little bit of calculation, but we're not going to go into the super, super details. But so what I recommend you do, because Dr. Robbins, actually, we, we were texting the other day. He's like, yeah, Victor, like patients lose five to 15 pounds, like from the surgery all the time. And I was like, I completely agree. I lost I think it was like 12 pounds and I only had one leg done. So um, the reason why, the two reasons why you lose weight is because one, yeah, your metabolism does increase, but two, you're, you're going to be sitting around being very inactive for whether it's eight, 12, or however long your lengthening takes. If you have to slow down, it could take up to 16 weeks, right? So you're going to be losing weight. You're get, your muscles are going to atrophy. They're going to get smaller. You're going to get, you're going to lose weight from muscle loss. Okay. But you're also going to notice that you're, you're losing weight in general because your, your metabolism is elevated. So by counteracting that with enough calories, when you, you come through with that, you're going to be able to maintain a lot more muscle, which is going to help you to do better at physical therapy. It's also going to help you to recover and rebound a lot quicker as well. Okay. So I recommend, I can't give you an actual number because it does take a little bit of calculation, but a quick and dirty method is to take for a female, I would say like anywhere from 10 to 11 times your body weight should be sufficient to start at. And if you find that you're still looking a little withered or you feel like you're hungry, you're not feeling like you're, you're, you're I, it's hard to explain, but then you can up it a little bit. Okay. But take, that's a quick and dirty way to do it. There's a, there's a little bit more advanced way to do it. Um, that I use for like my bodybuilding. I might talk about that later if I have time, but, um, 10 to 12 times your body weight will be a good starting point, And you can always go above that 12 on the higher end. If you're like a guy, maybe like 10 or so on the, if you're a girl and you don't have as much muscle mass, you just need enough to kind of like stay in that surplus zone. So your body isn't just eating your muscle tissue away and, uh, in a completely catabolic state. Okay. All right. So I think we answered the ones in the live webinar. Let me just double check here.
Yes, we did. So we're going to go right over to the YouTube. The YouTube. <laughs> what am I saying? Awesome. Let's see here. What we got? What we got? What we got? All right. So uh, what we got? Okay. What I want to know is what types of foods. Let me just pin this question here. Pin message. Yeah. All right. What I want to know is which type of foods or nutrients are recommended to enhance the process of healing of the skin to get all the scars removed after the surgeries. Okay, so kind of like I just mentioned um, is that you want to focus on collagen synthesis, and that's going to come down to things like vitamin C. Um, collagen itself, you can actually buy collagen supplements, okay? Um, you can buy actual things like biotin. You can buy um, vitamin E helps with skin healing. Um, you can buy all those things, but here's the thing. You got to remember this, and this is what I thought about too, because if you're getting, whether you're getting internal lengthening uh, device or you're getting an external fixator, you're going to have an, in, in, like they're going to put the device in and then they're going to take it out. Okay. So putting a lot of topicals and taking a lot of supplements um, for incision healing between the device implant and the device removal may or may not be a whole lot very helpful after all the devices you know devices removed then go ham like like although there has been some studies that i looked into because i was really paranoid about this being a bodybuilder um that say that if you address the scar within the first six to eight weeks it is a little bit better so using topicals like Moderma, I know Palmer's has like a scar serum. Those things can help fade a little bit, okay? But in terms of the actual scar itself, it's gonna be there. Scar tissue is completely different from normal skin. So um, you might need, if you wanna completely, let's say you're a model or something, you might need to go for plastic surgery after the surgery and get some small revisions done, but you should be okay. But vitamin C is huge for collagen. Collagen itself combined with vitamin C is good. Um, and then things like biotin with skin, vitamin E and stuff like that, okay? All right, Let's see, we got this one here. What are your top foods, meals to eat while dieting to not binge eat? Great question. Oh my gosh, man. So personally, um, like I said earlier, I'm half Italian, so I, I always go for pasta. Like that's my thing. It fills the crap out of me, especially if you use the pasta sauce too. It has some sodium, so it'll bloat you a little bit in the stomach and it'll distend the stomach until you say, hey, stop eating. But one little trick is whey protein. Whey protein has a, um, I forgot what it is. It's some peptide in there that actually blunts the ghrelin hormone, which is your hunger hormone, one of your hunger hormones. And it'll actually kind of suppress your appetite. And let's say you're really famished and you're like, I just, you're driving home from work. You want to get home to dinner, right? And you don't want to go to the fast food joint on the way home. Have a whey protein shake in your car. Take that and you're going to be like, hmm. I'm not as hungry anymore. And you can get to dinner or you can take a shower and then dinner or whatever. Whey protein does the trick for at least 30 minutes to an hour. So that is the trick there. Um, and make sure it's like not really sugary or combined with a lot of stuff. Make sure it's like actual just whey protein itself and uh, you should be okay there. Because sometimes if you eat sugar, it'll kind of stimulate things. All right. Oh, well, he said top foods. Uh, the protein, protein. So I actually do this thing called food sequencing. If I'm like on a low diet, low, low carb or low calorie diet to while dieting so that I don't eat a lot is I'll eat, I'll drink water. It's water first. Then I'll go for, if I have vegetables on my plate, I'll eat those. Then I'll go for the protein. Then I'll, if there's fat separate, which usually isn't, I'll, I'll eat that. Then I'll eat the carbs last. Okay. Cause obviously I'm a low carb dieter. I still keep cars in my diet just because that's what I do. Um, but that's what I do. It's food sequencing. That's a little trick, guys. Use that and you will kill all hunger for life. Unless you're on like a 1800, 1800 calories before the, the contest, then you're just going to be hungry regardless. All right. So what do we have here? How do I stop 
premature consolidation from happening? Hmm. All right. Well, premature consolidation from happening. That's a surgeon question, really, but it depends more so when you're actually going in for your checkup. So I can't say for your actual case, but there are ways and you know, which basically lengthen a little faster. Um, and if your body synthesizes uh, collagen and or, you know, the bone matrix really, really fast and you have an overflow of calcium, like hypercalcemia, then talk to your surgeon and make sure that you're not overtaking, taking too much calcium, which really is rare or vitamin D3. It's very rare. So you're probably going to be okay because your body can get rid of a lot of that. So to stop it, besides going a little bit faster on the distraction, there's not much you can do, um, but the surgeons are really good at monitoring that. Okay. So we have another question here. I do CrossFit since two, I've done CrossFit since 2015 and I'm planning limb lengthening next February, March in Germany by Dr. Betts, but I've heard about the Paley Institute in Poland. Do you have any idea or tips for me? Have you heard? All right. So I don't want to get into the, the surgeon war because we all know that how that goes, <laughs> but um, yeah, it really depends on like your actual situation. So where you live, um, you know, who you trust really, let's actually start there. So you want to, you, when you, when you're, when you're looking into a limb lengthening surgeon, you want to figure out first and foremost, as we, the, the, the golden rule is experience. You want to make sure that the surgeon has experience. Um, then you want to figure out, does the surgeon, I mean, we'll, we'll look at their patients. Like, did they have a good turnout? Have they had good results? That's going to matter next. Then you want to figure out location, cost, um, help, assistance, things like that. That's going to all factor in as well, because you don't want to just pick a surgeon because, you know, a surgeon, like there's going to be the perfect surgeon for you. Every surgeon is different. However, some surgeons do have like a full system together and you want to make sure that you have the best pick for your particular case. So I'm not going to say a, a name, one's going to be better for you than not, because I can't answer that here, but um, it does come down to your personal situation. All right. How about this institute? Now 169... Goal 177. Okay, that's just that. Okay. All right, here we go. Another question. Uh, does your treated leg feel different from your untreated leg, especially when exercising? Great question. Yes, it does a little bit. So like when I'm working out, the, the leg itself, no, but the, the muscle's bigger. So on my lengthened leg, the muscle has gotten bigger from hyperplasia. I know that. I've, I, I, I can almost put my finger on it. So when I'm doing certain exercises, I can notice, I notice that my lengthened leg is stronger, like in calf raises and stuff like that. It's ridiculously stronger. It's, it's almost embarrassingly stronger. I have to actually focus on unilateral work to keep symmetry and uh, the judges might still catch me for that. But the thing is, is that yes, I do notice that the muscle size is different. Muscle strength is different. Muscle tension is different. So I notice that my lengthened leg will get a little tighter when I do like heavy lifting. Um, and I just think that's like a side effect. I think that's one long-term effect that we have to deal with here that I do think that you can full, attain full range of motion. I still have full range of motion, but I think that there's going to be a little bit more tension. Now, if you're getting bilateral cosmetic limb lengthening, you probably won't notice because you have both legs done, but I, I do notice a little bit difference there. Does it stop me? Hell no. Like I, I'm fine. Like you guys, um, I told you all the time, like I'm perfectly fine. I can do whatever I want to do. Um, I probably get hurt from the gym more than I've ever gotten hurt from limb lengthening. Limb lengthening, first three years, I was, I almost forgot about it. In fact, if it wasn't for people reaching out to me on Instagram to like, you know, do all this, then I would probably not even have remembered or looked back. So, okay. Um, somebody's just talking about their lengthening goal. I would kill to do that. Okay. They're just talking here. Okay. Here we go. Question. How to get my glutes, glute, glutes mediums. Oh, glute medius activated aggressively during 
the bone consolidation post lung thing. So the glute medius is kind of like a, a hip rotator and abductor. Um, yeah, so you're probably going to do a lot of uh, side laying on your side leg lifts if you're able to. I don't know what type of surgery you had or whatnot, but you know those work. Um, if you want to put a band around your lower leg and just kind of spread your legs apart, you can do that as well, um, and that will strengthen those. Um, the, the glute medius big time. Also the clamshell that, like, that's laying on your side and just spreading your legs as well. Okay, so yeah, all right, cool, cool, cool. So I think we have answered most of the questions here. So I'm gonna go ahead and start kind of like just saying a few topics here. And then, um, yeah, yeah, this, this is kind of like a, I guess you wanna call it like a fluff week guys, cause we, we don't have any guests here, but I think this is a, a huge, a really important aspect, like fitness, nutrition. So if you guys have any questions, Feel free to ask them if you're considering surgery, if you're currently lengthening your now, and you're, you're, you're wondering, am I eating right? This is your chance to ask me. Um, I think that when I was going through limb lengthening surgery, my biggest ability to rebound and get a full, rec or, you know, recover pretty much back to 100% is that my nutrition, my willingness and drive to get back to the stage, and my aggressive rehab and rebuilding. Like, rehab and rebuilding are two different things. Rehab is like, getting full range of motion back, getting functionality of your muscles back, and then, re and, and, you know, just walking normally again, then rebuilding is to get back to what you were doing and then possibly surpass that, okay? Because you're going to be different after the limiting surgery. I've said this in multiple videos that you're not going to be the same. Your biomechanics are different, everything like that. So you have to adapt. So there's an adapt adaptation period. You have to get through balance training, proprioception, all that different stuff. But then after that, you want to figure out what's different. Am I stronger? My limbs are longer. I got to figure out what foot stance I have to use for squats or hiking or just w getting in and out of the car, getting on a bicycle, uh, playing tennis. Things are going to be different. So if you, let's say you lengthen your femurs three inches, right? All right. So things are going to be much different. You're, you're going to have a different type of stride. So you may need to build up different muscles to move those legs faster because people don't understand. They say that, oh, my legs move slower. Well, why do the legs move slower? Muscles move the bones and the, the structure of your body. So by focusing on certain rebuilding aspects like hamstrings, so getting better knee flexion so you can kind of contract faster, and then uh, hip flexor so you can kick that back out and run faster, okay? And adapt to that by balance training so you can figure out how, where to pick your feet up so you don't trip and, you know, bust your face, okay? So that's why I don't understand, like, after three years after limb lengthening, after you have your device removed and you heal up and recover 100%, you're mining nutrition, okay? I don't see why you can't make a massive recovery and get back to doing everything you do now, Okay, and possibly better because I think that, yes, we're not going to be perfect or we're not going to be fully recovered. We're going to be probably, like I said, 95 to 98%. But I believe that if you can recover that much and learn your new body, you can possibly find ways to do things you haven't done before because your discipline from limb lengthening will be carried over and you're going to be willing to work harder than you did before. Okay, because a lot of people will realize that. And I can ask all the patients that I've talked to this past year. 90% of them will say that they, they're, they, they're harder workers. It changed me. Like, that's why I turned it, like, I made up the name Cyborg because I'm half man, half machine. Like, my work ethic in the gym is a whole nother level. Like, I'm nice here on camera, guys, but, like, if you, you work out with me, I won't talk to you probably. Like, I, I'm a different person. Like, if you see me work out, it's a whole different psyche. Like, I, I get a little insane. And um, it's good because it works for me on stage. I, I get massive results. Um, I, I avoid injury because I'm able to fully be in tune with my body, my muscles, my biomechanics, everything like that. But I also don't waste time talking. Like if I say hi to a person real quick or something like that, and I might laugh real quick, but I get back to work. It's serious for me because I want to win the world championship. So a lot of people will realize that the discipline from Limicon will be carried over into their new life, and they're going to do amazing things. And that's why I don't want people to say, oh, you can only recover so much. 
maybe you can only recover so much. And limb lengthening is different for everybody, but work ethic is too. So if you're willing to work and learn your new body, you might be surprised. Okay. All right. Let's keep moving here. Do we have any other questions? Yeah, we do. Okay. Doing push-ups or any type of arm exercises can diminish the pain and stiffness from those side effects, side effects uh, of the limb lengthening surgery. Yeah. So you want to make sure you keep your upper body super strong because when you get limiting done, you're going to realize that your arms are what move you around. Okay. So you're not going to be like, you're going to have a walker crutches, wheelchair to push in and out of stuff like that. Um, toilet, shower, all that different stuff, especially if you don't have a, a fully weight bearing device. So you're going to want to make sure that you are, um, keeping the triceps strong. Okay. So doing dips in the gym, chest presses, shoulder presses, keeping the shoulders strong, um, reverse, uh, del uh, uh, shoulder work because that's going to help keep your posterior shoulder strong so you can kind of like pull back and do things like that. Your traps, your whole upper girdle, your whole upper torso, your core, okay, so you can pivot your body a lot better. These things are so important for limiting. It's ridiculous, okay? And fortunately for me, I was already preparing for a natural bodybuilding competition. I had did it. I did it. I got last place, and that's why I actually was, you know, motivated to get limiting done, but I did it, but I was really in good shape, and it helped me tremendously for limb lengthening, okay? I was already in the zone of the diet mode, so I had the, the foods and everything like that. I was pretty lean. I had some a good amount of weight, um, and I already knew about nutrition, but it helped me recover a lot better. So that's why my results may be different from another patient who had a discrepancy than, you know, so or any other patient in that, you know, that matter. That's why you guys are here getting all this information because I want to help you if, when your, lem your lengthening comes along. All right. Here we go. What's the best approach to quickly stretch out tight hip flexors after bilateral fem femur lengthening? So if you're able to, if your bones are consolidating, let's say you're a few weeks into consolidation, you're able to kind of like lay in any position or whatever like that. The Thomas stretch, uh, the modified Thomas stretch are huge for the hip flexors. The world's best hip flexor stretch where you put your foot behind you on an elevated platform and you kind of lunge down and dropping your foot back and kind of bending your quad. I would get up and show you, but you're probably not going to be able to see. Um, but it's a tremendous hip flexor stretch. Basically, think of like a lunge position with your foot elevated on a bench. It's kind of like a Bulgarian split squat, but your foot is up and you just drop down all the way and then kind of really lean back. You'll get that hip flexor stretched out. That's an amazing one. In fact, I think that's probably better than the Thomas stretch if you're able to do it. If you can't do it, Thomas stretch is very safe um, if you're just in consolidation. And it's really important, actually. You need to get those hip flexors stretched out because they're going to get extremely tight and... Um, I actually was about to answer comments before that I came on live here, but I didn't get a chance. But I saw somebody asked about uh, anterior pelvic tilt. That actually, so anterior pelvic tilt is probably because you guys, like, let's say the person got femur lengthening. When you get femur lengthening, you're, you're lengthening out the femurs and all the muscles are going to get tight, like the hip flexors, uh, the hamstrings, the posterior chain, like the glutes. The quads do get tight as well, especially for different people. But when you get anterior pelvic tilt, it's because, and also you've been laying down a lot, sitting down a lot. So that, that lower back, those, the lumbar muscles are going to get very tight. So they're going to have like a, an arch, an excessive arch to them. So you need to just, once you get walking again, a lot of that will alleviate. Natural walking, doing functional movements like bodyweight squats when you're able to, walking up and down stairs. Getting back to your functionality is going to really help you um, get rid of a lot of those things. But tight hip flexors, the Thomas stretch is going to be an amazing stretch for you. Okay. Is, is it needed to take painkiller or is it needed to take painkillers? Oh, to diminish the pain. Yeah, no. So great question. So like, will painkillers need, or can you do it with uh, exercises? Painkillers will help you mask the pain. Exercise will help you 
get rid of the pain and, and stretching because usually the pain is caused by the muscles. So by activating muscles, uh, fixing muscle imbalances, um, reducing muscle tension that's pulling on the joints and tugging at them at different angles, that will help you reduce, get rid of the pain. So masking pain and getting rid of pain are two different things. So definitely, definitely, definitely do your physical therapy and your rehab and your rebuilding. All right, let's see here. While researching the surgery, I couldn't find anything on balance. Does a patient have to relearn how to do things that require balance like bicycle riding and roller skating? Yes, you do. You absolutely do. Like I only had one leg done and I had to relearn how to walk. It's crazy. Cause like when I started walking, I, was, I actually, for the first probably two to three weeks, I was almost tripping on my own foot. Cause I, it was in my own brain, the, the proprioception. Like, I think it's, you know, a lot of that comes from the occipital lobe. So a lot of that, I was used to for years of basically just kind of having that leg discrepancy. When I had the leg, leg taller, even walking up the curve, I almost tripped a few times. So you have to learn to walk. Then roller skating is a whole nother level because that's, you know, you're using balance. But as you do it, your body will learn it. It's going to relearn it. The body's an amazing, it can adapt amazingly to, you know, almost anything. So you will be uh, very uh, good if you can start to adapt and um, get back to things like that. Bike riding too, because you're, let's say you get femur lengthening. You're, you're, it's going to be completely different. You might have to raise the seat up. You will probably have to, yeah, you're going to have to raise the seat up and um, just learn how to ride again and do all kinds of stuff. But that's the, that's the fun part of this. Like, I think that limb thing is a journey. And a lot of people say, oh, from surgery day to, you know, consolidation, that's it. No, it continues on a couple years after that. That's why for me, it was like more of a like five-year journey. And, you know, I think it's not over yet for me either. I'm here talking to you guys. So, all right. Uh, oh, <laughs> great question. When will we get an update on Alfonso? Alfonso, my man, I know where is he at, right? No. Um, so I'm not going to go into the details here, but like, basically he is perfectly fine and he will be back for an update in the future. Um, yeah, so he will be back. I don't know when, um, but he will give me word and we will stay in touch and, uh, he will be back and his update will probably be amazing because it's been a good while. I know. <laughs> so yeah, Alfonso will be back. All right, guys. So I think, I think that's all the questions we have, but anyway, I just want to talk a few topics real quick and then we'll, we'll probably wrap up here. Um, unless you have any questions. So we kind of touched on the importance of upper body strength pre-surgery. It's going to help you move around. Um, this TV is like blaring in my face. Um, it's going to help you get in and out of the wheelchair if you're if you have non-weight bearing nails uh, or devices. It's going to help you to use the crutches, the walker, all that good stuff. So definitely have your upper body strength, triceps, shoulders, chest, back, all that's important. Um, oh, okay, we have another question here. Let me answer this. And we have a question in the chat too oh, in the webinar. Wow, some questions are still coming in. All right, so let's see here. What do we have here? For getting max centimeters, would you recommend an internal nail on the femurs and come back one year later and get lengthening over nail on tibias instead of an internal nail to save money? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's that's a, that's a that's an option. Yeah, for sure. Like, I definitely recommend internal nails for the femurs. I'm not a huge fan of the lengthening over nails for the femurs just because of the soft tissue um, damage that it does and uh, stuff like that. But yeah, you could do that. I know a lot of now. Yeah, lengthening over nails on the tibias. Now, hmm. Yeah, because you get the external fixator and you get the internal nail, and then they got to remove it the same. Yeah, you'll probably just have more scarring um, to save money. If that's your way to save money, yes. But um, if you are just doing it to have less invasion, then 
probably not because the internal nail is still the same. But yeah, to save money, for sure. Okay, we have a question here. Is there an added benefit to gaining muscle in the legs due to increased satellite cells, nuclei? I forgot how it works, but the same reason you get you can regain muscle easy. Yeah, so muscle memory, pretty much the satellite, myonuclei satellite cells. So yeah, so yes, but you don't want to purposely gain a lot of muscle right before limb lengthening because it's going to require a lot of resources. And when new muscles laid down, new muscle tissue is laid down, it's not necessarily matured yet. And I don't want to get into like what matured means versus like new muscle and all the satellite cells and all that. But basically when you build muscle, it takes time for that muscle to kind of find its place or become fully functional like your your muscle that you already have so i wouldn't recommend it right before limb lengthening but like let's say you're a year out from your surgery or six months out you could definitely do it for three months and, and then kind of like maintain to mature that muscle so before limb lengthening maturing muscle is perfectly fine building muscle probably not the best use of your time you're better off just focusing on stretching um getting into the routine of like what you might have to do, like, hey, let me stretch now. Let me do cardio now. In fact, cardio is probably more important than building muscle right before limb lengthening. But if you're, let's say, six months or more out from your surgery, absolutely, you can build muscle. It's going to help. But build flexibility too, okay? And um, I could do an argument with that for multiple patients all day. They would say, oh, building muscle is terrible. Not necessarily um, if it's far enough out. Okay, who's the next guest? I was wondering who I could who could answer my question from the past interview regarding the protection of the nails in the airport security. Oh yeah, I think you, you, you did ask that last week. So um, we're gonna have, I think Dr. Robbins is gonna come on again in um, a couple weeks, like two weeks. Next week, we, next week we have a actual pati patient. It's gonna be me and them, but they're gonna, they're gonna have their camera off. It's gonna be an anonymous person, but they're gonna be answering patient questions. They're actually going through limb lengthening right now, okay? And they're gonna be answering your questions. Um, I think they have femur lengthening and they can answer all your questions that I can't answer, okay? Uh, right. Because if I get it done overseas and come to the States for rehab, I think the security will be hard on you. Okay. So that's what you're worried about. I don't think so. A lot of times you're going to get a doctor's note and if they see your device or something like you can make up any story, I believe, I don't think they're going to ask you, you know, what's going on. And even if the surgery, the security finds out who cares, like just get through and go do your rehab. Like they're not going to stop you. Like tell them, leave me alone. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. All right. You know how you how they are. I do know how they are. Like I've gone through the airport multiple times. Not not while I have my lengthening device, but um, I think they are annoying. Okay, I remember the last doctor you had on mentioned martial arts. I can imagine. I can imagine how it'll affect uh, those combat sports. I know you. Rem I know remembering movements is one thing, but you would have to relearn your stance. Yes, you would. It wouldn't be as much. It wouldn't be as bad as you think, though. See. When you're lengthening your, your – once you lengthen your bones and you achieve full range of motion after that, then the then it just comes to learning – like you're, you're taller now, right? So you're, you're, let's say you're eight centimeters taller. You're three inches taller. You're going to have to learn that. But let's say with three to six months of training or proprioception, even up to a year, you're going to learn that new body of yours. Building muscle to move those limbs faster, like I don't see the big issue. Like I don't understand. Do people not know how to build muscle? Is that the problem? Because if that's the problem, we can talk about that. But I think that – Moving faster and more explosively is just muscle. It's like, is your muscle powerful? Does it have enough um, fast switch fiber? Do you train for power and strength? Like those are going to be more qu important questions than um, how is limb lengthening going to affect me? You know what I mean? Because 
Limb lengthening is just another surgery. Like people who have hip replacement surgeries and knee replacement surgeries and shoulder replacements, they have to deal with a lot of this too. Yes, they don't have as the lengthening of uh, soft tissue issue. However, they have to rebuild and they have to learn their new biomechanics as well. So every surgery is going to affect you, but just really honing in on that, you know, training and learning your new body is going to be a, a process of itself. But once you do it, it's not going to be like anything different from you learning it the first time. Can you make the bone thicker? Hold on. After the surgery, heavy training. Yes. Yes. My bone healed amazingly well when I went from my, I think it was like my six month checkup or no four months when I, when I was done lengthening and I was able to walk like when she, where I was done consolidating, she, I was able to walk. And then I think I came back in for it was either the six month or the nine month. I don't remember, but, or maybe the one year. Um, but when we took the next x-ray, that bone was more like dense and white than the other one. And, um, and that, that, that comes from the hypertrophy of the bone and everything like that. But, um, I was also weight training. I was squatting again. I was deadlifting hundreds of pounds. So yes, you can make your bones thicker with heavy training. Yes. Have you tried to interview Turkish surgeons? Yes, I have. I've reached out to s several of them before and, uh, many of them weren't ready for interviews at the time. And, um, I won't interview every surgeon in the world either because I don't, some, some surgeons, I just don't, um, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of, um, you know, their setup, you know, and, and that goes for some multiple Lincoln clinics. I won't, I just, you know, and it's not to say that they're bad surgeons. It's just that my beliefs, you know, I don't want to bring them on because I think that, you know, there are, this is a, this is a, it's, it's a serious surgery. It is a serious, limb lengthening is a serious surgery and you need a lot of experience to do it. But I have reached out to uh, Turkish surgeons and I have a few that I've reached out to and I'm waiting for a reply. So we'll see what happens. Um, as well as other places internationally. So there are people that I'm still interviewing, planning on interviewing, but I'm also working on interviews with growth experts and um, patient stories. You know, we, we want to we kind of give you like the broad spectrum of one thing because just talking to a surgeon is not going to do anything for your, your life after surgery. That's just going to make sure that they line your bones up, they fixate the thing properly and make sure you don't die in surgery, right? But the surgeon's literally there for the first two to three days. When do you see them next? The next checkup to check your x-ray? And they make sure that everything's going well, right? But you, how much do you see the physical therapist? How how much are you alone by yourself doing your rehab? Let's think about that. That's a little bit more important. So that's why I'm having this aspect as important as it is for um, you know the limiting thing alive because surgeons are one aspect of this. Probably I would say a third, and then the physical therapist is um, the other third, and then yourself is the other third. Okay, please show me your legs. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that today. I'm not, I just trained legs today and I'm not standing up. So, um, plus they're probably not as good as they used to be because of the whole knee injury, but they're good, they're good. I was squatting close to front squatting today. With Hopefully I gotta get stronger because world championships coming up. Um, yeah, okay, cool. So let's talk about the next topic. I got a few more and then we're gonna wrap up here guys because I don't see too many more questions. Oh, we do have questions in the chat here. Doing femurs or doing both femurs and tibias to gain six or seven centimeters. Um, let me come back to that. Hi. Hi there. Yeah. Let me come back to that question. Let me answer some of these other fitness and nutrition questions because that's what we want to stay on topic here. So like I said, being catabolic and losing weight during surgery is a huge thing. You want to make sure you have enough calories. Um, and like I said earlier, 10 to 12 times your body weight is a good way to multiply how many calories you have. But then a significant portion of those calories should be protein. Okay. You don't want to go into the surgery and not eat enough protein because protein is going to be your major friend to recover. And if I 
let's say that you guys came here and I you wrote down what you ate in the last three days and I looked at your diet, I would probably tear it apart with a red pen because I guarantee you're not eating nowhere near enough protein, especially pa patients who are lengthening. They're probably eating like you know, a frac one of my meals in terms of protein for the entire day, which is embarrassingly low. You guys got to kick the protein up and you'll recover much, much faster. I promise you. Protein is an amazing wonder of the world. Um, how can, yeah, so I wanted to talk about this, how patients can mentally prepare for limb lengthening surgery. Um, it really comes down to goal setting. So like a lot of you are going for cosmetic limb lengthening to get taller. So and you all have your goals, obviously, like six to seven centimeters on the femurs or tibias and proportions and all that. But then it comes to why do you want that? Okay. And I mentioned this in my first interview almost well over a year ago with Dr. Mabubi. And it was, he said, if you have a motivational factor of why you're doing the surgery, you're going to make sure that everything goes perfectly well on your end. So when I went through limiting surgery, I was worried as heck because Dr. Common wanted to do my femur because it's a lot safer and everything like that. But I was battling her to say, let's do the tibia. But I knew I had to go through the patellar tendon because I had it. And I was so worried. I was like, am I going to be able to squat again? But I was more, more worried about my muscle of the hip, which I, don't, I had no medical knowledge back then. This was before I did all that. So she said, okay, Victor, you want the tibia? Let's do it. And it was harder. It was harder for me. But, and I had to battle through the A-stem and get that knee tendon worked back out and get those fibers realigned. But what I can say is that if you can – but my reasoning – to go through all of this limb lengthening was to get back to the world championship or to, to compete in bodybuilding professionally again and do well. And when I did, it not only fixed my physicality, like my training, my performance, because obviously I had a discrepancy before the surgery, but it fixed my, my mind. I was crazy. Like it changed. I, I, I got a lot more serious in the gym. I got better at my diet. I got better at my rehab. I got better at my rest. Everything just kicked up a notch to full throttle. And it took me to the world championship stage twice. Okay. Place thir third, place second. I'm going for that first champion, uh, first place win and I'm going to win it. Okay. And when I win it, maybe I'll retire. But the point is, is that that's why I did this. And it, that's why it's a life-changing procedure because without it, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here talking to you guys. I wouldn't be chasing the world championship title. I'd still be back where I was. And now let's say for you guys, if you're going through it to, let's say, improve your confidence because you want to, uh, you know, improve your chances in the dating pool or whatever it is to get, you know, a significant other, then, then that's, that's one of your reasons, right? So you make sure you do it perfectly. Pick a good surgeon, do your rehab religiously and all that. Okay. And I know I sound like a, a broken record here in preaching, but these things are very, very important. Master nutrition, master supplementation, when you go through a full month of Lemington, you're going to be worn out, not only because of like the surgery and the physicality of the surgery itself, the trauma, but just doing the monotonous, tedious tasks that you have to do every day. It's crazy what you have to do. It's, it's like a full-time job on top of a full-time job. So, all right. So that's how you can mentally prepare for the surgery is have a driven, uh, a motivational factor that's going to drive you. Okay. Uh, pain tolerance training. This is another thing. So like I said earlier, get active, do something, whether it's like a sport, lifting weights is great because you you know, it does, it takes a lot of grit to get through, you know, a weight training session properly. Um, so that's, that's a huge thing, but also just realizing if you had a, an injury when you were younger, think about that, but think about that for a long period of time, because that's how limited it is. It's not just a one and done thing. The first week or two is very serious, but then you have to go through this arduous journey for, like I said, probably 12 weeks. Um, if you're going for the full length of the femurs, which a lot of you guys are. All right. We talked about supplements to heal bones. So yeah, we talked about um, a lot of this stuff here. So we're gonna go ahead and answer some more of your guys' questions and then we'll probably wrap up here shortly. Cause again, Victor gets hungry <laughs> really fast. Alrighty. Um, okay, so we have another question here. 
I had a cruciate ligament operation. Can I still get the ligamentous surgery done? So this is kind of like a surgeon question, but I can kind of, I mean, reiterate what Dr. Robbins says. He had a patient that had an ACL injury, and he said that they were able to still get it done. Um, as long as it's not a fresh injury and it was in the past and it's healed now, yeah, you should be okay. But obviously, your surgeon is going to check you out at the consultation. So let's see here. How many grams of protein? One and a half to two grams per pound body weight? My man, yes. <laughs> That's pretty much what I eat, but um, that would be ideal. That would be ideal, but it's a lot harder than you think. And we're talking protein, like pure pro like protein amounts. You would use like a fitness or a calorie tracker. Like there's things like MyFitnessPal, Calorie King, whatever. If you track your, your calories and you realize what you're eating now, you might realize that you're not eating enough to get to that amount. But yeah, I would say like at least one gram per pound of body weight in terms of protein will be sufficient for limb thinning. But if you're trying to build muscle and recover faster, the surplus would be better at that one and a half. I go to two. It's probably a little bit, you know, unnecessary, but don't mind me. <laughs> I want to go to that guy in Las Vegas. Okay. Say hi to him. <laughs> Can a doctor really realize... All right. Can a doctor really realize an individual's limit for lengthening during lengthening, or do they just put limits like eight centimeters on the femurs or six centimeters tibias? Yeah. So they they so what it is the reason why it's eight centimeters femur is because that's as much as the internal nail will lengthen, and that's what a lot of research these surgeons have done research and they found that after eight centimeters on the femur, there's drastic increases in the possibility for a complication to develop. So that's why they say that, okay? And six centimeters, six centimeters on the tibia is a lot, actually. You guys don't understand. Like, I did just about four centimeters. I was muscular, yes, and I had a lot of tension. But it was ridiculously hard for me. I almost got a little bit of Aquinas there. Um, so six centimeters, unless you're very flexible, I don't know. Can you recover from that? Possibly, yeah, but it's just that's a lot of length for the tibia. They, the reason why they put the limits on this is because they're going to check you out as you go along. My favorite statement for lengthening, figuring out how much you can get, is lengthen and observe. So as you lengthen, or as you're going through your lengthening, just observe how things are going. Are you developing extreme tightness? Can physical therapy, aggressive physical therapy fix that? Um, or is there a permanent, uh, like a, con a contracture that's coming up that you just need to kind of like s slow down, okay? So they can tell your limit as you go along, yes. But they, they put limits on because they don't, if they're smart, they will. Like, you know, a lot of the, uh, the top surgeons in the world will put limits because they just, they realize that it's ridiculous to go past that. And they don't want that reputation, you know, mark on them. They don't want any complications on their record, and I don't blame them. All right. All right. How do you save money for the surgery? That's a good one. You know, this surgery is very expensive. You, it comes down to just pretty much just, you know, working for a good amount of time and just not, you know, being foolish with your money, uh, you know, minimizing your expenses, maximizing your savings. Um, if you want to get it done sooner and you, you're able to, you have good credit, you can get a, a, a medical loan. Okay. So there are ways family can help out, it, but it's, it's a very expensive procedure and, um, you know, a lot of it has to do with the complexity of the surgery, okay? It's a cosmetic procedure because obviously the discrepancy surgeries are usually, depending on the length and the, the medical insurance you have, may or may not be covered with the insurance, okay? So let's see here. What is... Okay, this is a good question. 
Limbic thinners seem, seem to hyper-focus on some unimportant things. What is one thing you think people should focus on, focus less on and one thing they should focus more on? Amazing question. Oh my gosh, this is like the best question ever. Yes, I would say if it's a cosmetic procedure that the person's getting, proportions are important to an extent, depending on what they do. If they wear pants all day and they, they work in an office and they don't plan to like be like a model on stage and they show off their legs and, you know, worry about proportions, then that's not a big deal. But I think that how much length they can get up front, have a goal in mind, but don't obsess over it. Say, hey, look, I realize that Victor's statement, length and observe is going to be what I have to live by. Because every surgeon is going to, if they're a good surgeon, they're going to monitor your lengthening and observe what's happening along the way. Because you're not, let's just say that your goal is eight centimeters on the femurs, right? Well, that's a great goal. So just move on. Say, what's the next worry that I have? I think I shot a video last year sometime on the, the top worries of limb lengthening. Go through those and figure out what's your biggest worries, okay? And mark them down because everybody's is going to be different, but don't obsess on either one aspect. Focus on what's your biggest thing. Maybe it's the expense, the cost. So you should focus all your attention on getting the money for the surgery. And then things like proportions, you can just kind of like dial that back a little bit because you realize, hey, look, I got to see how I'm going to even get that amount of length and see how it affects my proportions because you can stop. You don't have to keep going. Obviously, you don't want to spend a lot of money and not get your money's worth and get a significant amount of height that you can say, hey, look, I either cured my height neurosis or, you know, got amount of height that I feel more confident at. But at the same time, you don't have to like blow your proportions out of proportion, <laughs> okay? So really realize that you are in control. The surgeon's doing the surgery, but you have the trigger to tell them what you want to do, okay? But I think that one thing they should focus more on is like I, today, the nutrition and the recovery and the rehab and the rebuilding. Those are the things that I think that every patient needs to focus more on. Like I said, I should have a patient on. In fact, I'll have a patient on next week. I'm going to ask him straight up live. I'm going to say, hey, what's your diet like? <laughs> I'm going to put him on the grill. I'm going to say, hey, man, let's talk. Okay. And I'm going to grill him live for you guys. I'm just kidding. No, but um, the point is that nutrition is super important. People, it's ridiculous. Like people will be a lot healthier in general. Um, mindset. That's another thing that people should focus more on, okay? Getting tough, mentally tough, because a lot of people are worried about the pain of the surgery. Pain is a part of this surgery. If you're not willing to go undergo through pain, I wouldn't recommend doing this surgery at all. You're going to be in pain, okay? Um, another thing is just basically the type of physical therapy, uh, you know, routine that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to do it day in, day out, all right? All right, let's see if we have any more questions here, guys. So let's see. All right, so that's just a lengthening one. I'm not going to answer that. Ah, good question. Will we get an update on Liam from Turkey? Yes, we will. Liam, he's been sending me some awesome videos, his walking videos. So um, he, he's doing great. He's back to work. Um, you guys know he was a um, – I'm not going to say it, but, uh, yeah, he did something for work, but he's back to work. So he's, he's doing well. He's, he's happy with his new height. He, he sent me a picture of him pre-surgery and then post-surgery. And um, he was standing with some of his friends, and then uh, he, he, he was towering over one of them. It was really cool to see that. I wonder what he told him. He probably just came out clean and said what he did. But, um, yeah. So we will have Liam on probably late August as the patient who comes on live. I'll probably have him on, you know, for, for that if he's able to. Because he's, he's in a different time zone, so we have to kind of work that out. But I'm flexible. I can do it. Uh, all right. Let's get through some of these. So... When are you going to interview Dr. Halil Baldu? I'm from UK, but I may have to get it done in Istanbul as a lot 
is as is a lot more affordable. I completely understand that. And like I said, I've reached out to multiple of these surgeons. They were not ready for an interview at the time. Then when they reached out to me and they were ready, I wasn't able to. I know I'm getting a lot of these questions from Hello Baldu. I know he's a very popular surgeon. Um, I don't like his lengthening over nail for the femurs. I will be blatantly honest with you guys. I'm not a big fan of that because I think it causes more problems than it needs to. Um, but we may have him on. We might have him on, and uh, maybe we'll have him on for a live so you guys can ask him your questions. I don't know what you want to ask him. Do you want to just ask him the price? Because you probably can see that. Um, but you should really – what you should do, like I recommend with every surgeon, talk to the patients who he has had, okay, and see – what it's like, not only him, because he may be a really good surgeon. What's the aftercare like? Because like I told you, the surgeon does one aspect of the surgery, but guess what? The, the follow-ups, are they are the, the physical therapy, are people developing muscle contractures that are, you know, are they lengthening on themselves by themselves? Are they going in for biweekly x-ray checkups that, to see if, you know, non-unions and premature consolidations are happening? Are the bones aligned properly? Things like this, guys. You want to make sure you ask patients because those things are more important than the surgeon because the surgeon can do the surgery within a couple hours and then they go home, right? But the physical therapist, the patient is left to do a lot of stuff by themselves. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll find out what happens with that. Yes, Celeste, I have tried. <laughs> I've tried multiple times, and we just can't link up like that. But we will try again. We'll try again, and we'll try to get them on. And um, you guys can ask. We'll get them on for a live, probably. We'll let you guys ask your, your questions live. I think that'll be more efficient because I don't know what you want me to ask them. Okay. Uh, tips for safety. Yeah, good surgeon, lots of rehab, <laughs> good nutrition, and take a lot of tips from the, you know, the, the surgeons and the physical therapists that you deal with. All right, this is a really cool question. I like this question. What are the most important things about this surgery, in your opinion, and in order? Mindset, diet, physical therapy, and communication. Ooh, this is a very good question. Okay, first up, mindset. Absolutely. If you're not mentally ready for the surgery, you shouldn't even, even think about it. Okay, because you got to be, for one, you can't be crazy. Okay, because the surgeon's going to look at you. They're going to talk to you. They're going to have a clinical assessment about you. They're going to figure out really quickly if they're not just about the money, if you're a viable candidate. Okay, and if you are sane, <laughs> but you have problems that they believe can be helped with this procedure, then you clear that path. But then the mindset to undergo the months of physical therapy and to realize that there are risks that you're undertaking and that you're going to have more time, um, another journey on the back end to rebuild and get back to where you are. And there might be a chance that you never do. So that mindset of just real reality and possibility is going to be a huge aspect. Great, great question there. Uh, then, so after mindset, I would say physical therapy. Okay. It's probably a little bit more, diet's so important, but like physical therapy, because obviously keeping the muscle tissue uh, pliable and, um, you know, supple while you're lengthening is so important. Then it's probably going to be communication. I guess you would mean with the surgeon and the physical therapist. I'd say, I'd say communication. Yeah, unfortunately, I'd like to say diet, but I'd say communication. You had some really tough ones there, but I'd say communication because you need to communicate with your surgeon of what's going on. A lot of patients will lengthen, especially patients where they don't have to stay on site. They will lengthen 
by themselves past safe limits because they want that max height. And then they will say, oh, I developed this, um, a permanent muscle contracture. Now I need Achilles tendon lengthening, or I need a gastrosoleus recession, or I need a hamstrings lengthening, or I need this. Yeah, well, if you were talking to your doctor and you did checkups and you got the x-rays, or I have a non-union, if you did things properly and didn't chase the height, then you might not be in that situation. Then definitely diet, but a lot of those can kind of go together. I want to say diet a little bit higher too, but yeah, great question. Do you think precise is better for sh than stride? Do you think precise is better than stride for long term, since it creates better bone? Um, I know Dr. Pilly said that he doesn't believe this, and I don't really know. I'm not a surgeon, so I haven't seen it, but I have heard from other surgeons say that they've seen it. I can't say. I think that stride in the in the long term is better because it allows your muscles to stay more um, functional during the lengthening. You're able to do more. You're able to have a less strenuous lengthening. You know what I mean? So I would say the stride is a little bit better in that, in that sense. Absolutely better in terms of like mobility, but in terms of like um, not having to stress out over the chaos of the lengthening process. But in terms of better bone, I can't say. I haven't seen enough patient cases and I haven't heard people. I'd have to talk to a lot of patients from stride and a lot of precise patients and then kind of like assess and see what their thoughts were, look at their x-rays and it'd have to be a big experiment. But I guess surgeons can do that. <laughs> they get paid to do it. <laughs> All right. Would a patient becoming as flexible as a gymnast or cheerleader be extremely effective? I know you're supposed to be more flexible beforehand, but would that would that level of flexibility accelerate, um, I guess, healing? Good question. Early on, yes, but later on, no. And the reason why I say that is because of the fact that when you're lengthening, like right now, let's just say right now, you, you came in front of me and I said, hey, look, let's find out your flexibility to range of motion, right? You Let's say you could do full range of motion, touch the ground, do all that stuff, right? And let's say you're a gymnast, you're fully flexible, you could do splits and all that, right? Well, the thing is, is that when you start to lengthen beyond your, I like to call it, there's a surgeon that said muscle length reserve, where the muscle slack has started to run out, because muscle has a little bit of pliability, okay? It's kind of like an elasticity to it. Once it starts to reach that limit, now you start to tug at it. And every person has a limit. It doesn't matter if you're a gymnast, you just maximize your flexibility for the limit where your bone length is now. So those muscles are attached to the bones, so they, they've adapted to that bone length. But now that you're lengthening your bones, guess what? Muscles going along for the ride, so now you're going to have the problem, the same problems that anybody would. But by you, you will attain that level of flexibility will help you because you won't go through the initial stiffness that a lot of normal people would. So yes, it will help you. But in the end, you're still going to have to work very hard to maximize range of motion and flexibility in the end. Good question. Uh, let's see. When are we getting any update on the dad whose son went through the surgery? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to mess with him for probably at least, I want to give him at least till the fall when he gets back to school. I know he was a high school wrestler, as he said. When we get him back, we can, um, I mean, when, when we, when I, I'll touch base with him and I'll see how he's doing. And if he's, it's a massive recovery, because that kid is young, um, he's probably going to do better than before because now he's, yeah. So we'll definitely touch base this year sometime. Wow, time's flying, guys. All right, so let's answer some of these questions. We'll, we'll go through these questions, and then we, I think we have some in the chat. Let me just see. Yeah, I'm not going to answer that. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. So we answered those. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so here we go. Uh, let's see here. After surgery, can you grow your muscles again like before? I do bodybuilding and powerlifting. Yes, you can. Absolutely. 
Um, will it be different? Yeah, it's going to be different. You're going to have different leverage points. You're going to have different biomechanics. You're going to have different movement patterns. You're going to have different um, new muscles going to take longer to build. Oh, well, it may or may not because it's hyperplasia, but like it, it, it's going to depend. But you can build the muscle, um, minding just the same basic facts, um, nutrition, training, stuff like that. You can. Hey, Cyborg. Hey, I've seen some of your videos, some videos of fully healed limb lengthening patients running, and something about their legs just seems off, like the knees are too low to the ground for their height. They look weird running. Yeah, so what happens when you lengthen? I guess they lengthen, you said they lengthen femurs. I guess they lengthen their femurs. When you do that, they're, they're affecting their interlimb ratio, meaning that their, their tibia length to their femur length is going to be different, right? So that's why the knees look lower to the ground. It doesn't, it do, it's, it's just, it's just, they're not lower to the ground. It's just that they're, it looks that way because their femur is longer and they're taller. Their hip height is taller. That's why it looks like that. It's an appearance. Um, but if it looks weird, they could either wear longer shorts or if they wanted to, con you know, consider tibia lengthening, but if they're happy with it. They, that's, that's them. That's their thing. But honestly, if they, you know, if, if you're worried about like, will it affect performance or something like that? It shouldn't. Building muscle, muscle is what moves the bones. Okay. So muscle, power, strength. Okay. Um, is what moves your legs. So if you work on muscle strength, power, and stuff like that, you you should be able to move just as fast. Um, but I can't say that for sure because we are still waiting on um, videos from some patients. So, Victor, if you have a limb lengthening surgery, is it possible to play sports at semi-pro professional level after, or is it impossible to be a physical at physical peak that you were before the surgery? Um, I can't really answer that because everybody's different. Like the training, the work ethic, everything like that. But I wouldn't recommend, so if let's just say that you get this done after your heyday and you're done your sports career and you just want to get back to doing what you did before, it's going to take time. It's going to take at least two years probably, even if you're pushing at full speed in terms of re rehab and rebuilding. Um, but then after that, I'd say that you could probably get very, very close and probably do the things that, you're, that will keep you happy. Will you be able to do what you did at your peak? Maybe, maybe not. If you, let's assume that you're going for stature lengthening. It depends. It depends on what you're doing. Like if it's like high jump, you might be a little bit better. But if it's like, uh, I don't know, sprinting all out, maybe not. Okay. Cause there might be a little slight decrease in time, but will that time be noticeable? Well, are you still competing? I wouldn't suggest a surgery for anybody that's still competing at a semi-pro or pro level. If you're just doing it for fun, absolutely. You can do it if this means more to you than that. Victor, do you see any other biotech companies releasing an internal nail in the next 10 years to rival Nuvasive? Oh my gosh. Um, let's just say I can't say anything on that right now. <laughs> but I, let's just say that the future is going to be very interesting. Victor, where do you see this surgery in five years? Will there be newer methods? Will it be cheaper? Oh, yeah. So I see the surgery in five years becoming more standardized. And what I mean by that is that I feel that more surgeons, orthopedic surgeons are going to get into the field. They're going to learn deformity correction and limb lengthening. And I think they're going to learn from some of the greats that we talk about. Um, and uh, hopefully they do it for the right reasons, meaning helping you guys for the right reasons and not going for the money and just doing it, you know, without talking to you guys first and everything like that. But I see it becoming more standardized, meaning there will be safe practices, limits put 
on you know certain lengths and stuff like that because I there's some bizarre lengthenings that go on and I know that a lot of them are really risky. I think that there will be yeah more standardized so the systematic and standardized in terms of both rehab and surgery. I think that there will be slightly more acceptance as more patient cases come come out and people see how these patients recover. I think that there will be slightly more acceptance. Um, but will it ever be fully accepted? I don't think so, because I think that some people just think this is too bizarre. Will there be new advancements in terms of the surgery? I think that there will be people who start to try to like help people who are still growing, you know, heal damaged growth plates. I think that, that that's going to be happening. I know there's a lot of research going on in that. Um, I think that there will be people, biotech companies, biomedical companies getting into um, trying to make money off of this and say, hey, look, how can we make this process more efficient? I absolutely do. I think that it will be starting research. I don't know if it'll be there in five years, but I think it will be, you know, under, under, uh, underway in five years. Absolutely. Will it be cheaper? I think so. I think that the reason why it'll be cheaper, I don't think the surgery itself, like hospital costs and surgeon fees will be cheaper. In fact, they may even get a little bit more expensive, but I think that the, the devices will, I think that new companies will develop new devices. And I think that that will, force other companies to either undercut in price or, and that, that, that could drop the overall price because we know that the device makes up a major portion of this price. So I do see that happening. Um, hey, Seppo, <laughs> for you guys that don't know, Seppo was one of our first uh, podcasts way back when. She helped me kick this whole thing off. So Seppo, how are you doing? I'm so glad you were able to catch it too from Africa. What's up, Seppo? What's up? I have to shout you out. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Is it impossible to do the same before the surgery as after basketball, soccer, and all that? Again, it's going to depend. I can't really get into the specifics of that, but more patients, more patient cases will come out, and then we'll do this. Guys, this is a hobby for me, a super fun hobby, and I can guarantee you that I'm going to be doing this for the long run. Like, this is – like, I know it's we're almost going an hour and a half. I'll probably wrap up pretty soon, but, like, like I love this. Like, you know what I mean? I, that's why I hope that one day I can turn this into, like, a – like a, a business of some sort, like I've already kind of started some stuff, but uh, you know, this is super cool because like I said, this surgery changed my life and it made me, the person that I was before wasn't really me. Like I think that by going through limiting surgery has made me a better person to the world and it made me experience life at a whole nother level. So I think that it's literally a life-changing surgery if done safely, like I said, and if you put in enough effort, but I think that you know, it can do the same thing for people who are going through stature lengthening, limiting discrepancy, deformity correction. I think that this is an amazing field, and I think that it's here for the long stay. People are still always going to be want, wanting to be want to get taller, okay? And um, you know, people are always going to have discrepancies. These are congenital conditions. Uh, people are always going to have deformity corrections, okay? So I'm glad that I was able to, you know be here at its inception, it's not its inception, but basically be here on the rise as this field gets bigger and, you know, pretty much witness the growth of this field because it's, it's really cool to see, you know, the patients that come and go because I know a lot of them, they get it done. And um, I have some patients that got this done. They were talking to me a lot and all of a sudden they just kind of go away. And I, I respect that because now they've gone back, they've got what they wanted out of this procedure. And actually I did, I did. I, I got the surgery done in 2012 and then in 2005, by 2015, once I was fully recovered, I was competing in my sport of bodybuilding and got to the world championship stage. I forgot about this. It wasn't until 2017 I made a post on my Instagram, hashtag limb lengthening, and decided to say, hey, I had limb lengthening surgery to be able to squat 315 for 10 reps or whatever, something stupid like that. And then I put hashtag limb lengthening. I think Dr. Mabuvian's social media team found out about it, clicked on it, 
said, hey, can we send some patients to ask you some questions about the surgery? I said, sure. They asked questions back and forth. It was taking up a lot of time. I still do it. <laughs> back to that, I probably do it more. But I realized, hey, look, let me start shooting videos because I can't write for crap. <laughs> so I started to shoot videos, and this is where we are. So, um... <laughs> Victor has inside information. I don't have any inside information. I don't have anything. Okay, here we go. We've got some more questions. I'll stick around for a little bit more, guys. I don't have anything to do tonight. I clear, I clear my night off for two hours for this Limiting Thing Live so I can try to do the edits and the timestamps. They might not be out till tomorrow, but... All right, so this person's asking... Uh, where did it go? Is the lengthening over nail method not recommended for femur lengthening? I'm asking as I am meeting with Dr. Halil Badu, and he said that lengthening over nail is totally fine on the femur, and I can definitely get eight centimeters on the femur. See... I like doc, like again. I'm not knocking Doctor Baldu on his surgical technique or his um his experience or anything like that. I'm just saying that I personally, I here's the thing. I've had an external fixator on my femur, not for lengthening, but that thing tore up my muscle on my legs. I had you know some really deep you know, debrided scars and stuff like that. So. I'm not a fan of it, okay? I'm not a fan of the external fix. Now, for deformity cases, sure. And that's kind of what I had. But for lengthening, there's 90% of surgeons do not agree with that on the femurs. I know it's cheaper, and I know people this, – this surgery is stupid expensive. I know that. But to risk – I don't know. I don't know. I, let, me, let me find out more patient cases that are getting lengthening over nail on the femurs, and I can give you my honest, true assessment. But some patients, what I've seen um, who have that method done – you know, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of the lengthening over nail. Okay, on the femur. The tibia, sure, it's a lot safer because there's a lot, there's a lot less muscle down there. Um, you still are lengthening. You've got to stay within limits. But, I, you know, honestly, I'm not a fan of it on the femur. Just my take, my opinion. Again, this channel is based on my opinion. So, But you, your surgeons, they know what they're talking about. So, Do you know the rehab program if you do the arms? Yeah, so what you want to do with your arms, dips, tricep extensions, bicep curls, anything and everything you can do for your arm strength, shoulder strength, stability, because you're going to be using your arms a lot for limb lengthening to get up and out. Like, like, I, like I didn't have the stride nail on my one lengthened leg. I had the other leg, but, you know, to use crutches. Like, thank gosh I had a um, – broken legs before and I knew how to use them and I knew how to, I said, Hey, here we go again, pretty much. But I was good with that stuff, guys. Like it, you know, but get used to it. This is a really good technique. Here's what, here's what I want everybody who's going to go through limb surgery done, who's going to get it done to do. I want you to buy crutches or, you know, rent them or whatever, a walker and a wheelchair. Learn how to act as if you're not using your legs. Okay. And say, Hey, look, step on a scale and say, I can only put 50 pounds on my legs. Okay. And Move around and do your daily routine for one day, okay? Take a weekend, a day on the weekend, and just spend a whole day acting as if your legs were broken, if you're getting bilateral lengthening done, okay? And I want you to figure out how would you get through the day by doing that, by using the wheelchair, the walker, the crutches, a shower chair, you know, maybe a toilet raised seat, things like this, okay? Go through your full day with these devices or these, these tools and see how you would manage. And that will help you tremendously because me, I already had experience. I had, like I said, two broken legs before, not to mention I'm, you throw something at me, I'm gonna get back up. But a lot of people just 
the overwhelm is a lot for them to take in. Like, oh my gosh, I had bilateral femur lengthening with the, the precise two nail and it can't bear more than this, but I weigh this. So I'm over the weight that it's, it can handle. What am I going to do? And they didn't practice and they, they have to go to physical therapy, but they may not have a lot of upper body strength. They may be, you know, so what they need to do is figure out how much it's going to take to get through the day like that. So definitely, definitely, definitely. Victor, you're killing me with your spice. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm telling you, stay, stay alert. Stay, if, you're, if you're planning your surgery a couple of years down the line or whatever, you're saving up for it, stay tuned. I can say that this industry is on the rise. It's, this industry is heating up. That's all I'm saying. It's, inter it's interesting to me. That's, I haven't seen a, a futuristic industry like this in a long time. Like I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the healthcare industry for work. Uh, the medical industry of like for work, um, but I'm also in the fitness industry for my part-time work that I do. And I can say that those industries are very saturated, but this being a medical, like a niche, a micro niche of the medical industry is a very unsaturated futuristic industry. And it's so interesting to see how it's growing. Okay. So I think that just stay tuned. It's going to be cool. Yeah. All right, guys. So we're going to probably wrap up here sh shortly. We got a few more and uh, we'll wrap up in about I don't know, five or 10 minutes. We'll get that. And then I'll, I gotta eat. <laughs> Your boy's gotta train some shoulders tomorrow and calves. Got my calf training to do. All right. Last question. I noticed you said, I noticed you said if you weren't competing, you wouldn't recommend the surgery, right? Yeah. Is that what you said? I noticed you said if you weren't competing, you wouldn't recommend the surgery, but you also said it depends on your sport. Oh, okay. If, if a person is a professional fighter, does it matter? Professional fighter, I don't think it matters what you do, but I think it matters when you do it. So, like, if you're a professional fighter and you want to get this done and you're going to professionally fight after because it makes sense that you get it done sooner because you're younger and you want to heal up properly, I think maybe going for conservative lengthening is probably your best bet then if you want to take that route. I still don't recommend it. No, because I think that it can take a lot of time out of your training. And Dr. Robin said it on his live. He said, if you get it done, then two years, it's going to take you time to get back to that. It's not going to be like, you're going to be removed from your sport for two years. Like I was removed from bodybuilding. I lost, a t I was, guys, I'm, I'm 210 pounds right now. I was 160 pounds after lengthening. Okay. Obviously I was still in, I was really lean. So, but I should have been about 180 at that type of body fat. Right. So Think about that. that's 30 pounds of different of muscle. Obviously, the muscle memory came back really quickly as I started to get back into my sport. But bodybuilding is a lot of closed chain movement, meaning my feet are on the ground. Like, let's say professional fighting, let's say you're doing boxing, you have to use your feet a lot, a lot of footwork, right? So that might take more time. That's a lot of like dexterity and a lot of um, agility. So you might need to be careful with that. But if you want to get it done, and let's say you have 10 years left in your sport, and definitely go for conservative amounts. Don't do anything like crazy to the extremes because you will be impacted big time. But like maybe, I'm not going to say how much length or anything like that, but definitely be conservative with your lengthening. Talk it over with your surgeon and be very careful. Okay. I know it matters, but they don't sprint and compare times. So would it be like your case to where it didn't affect your sport? Professional fighters. Yeah. Like I said, like I, I really feel like, um, I feel like it could affect your sport a little bit because they use their f agility early on within that two, two and a half years, I feel like it could affect your sport. So you want to be very, very careful about how much length you're getting. Conservative lengthening is a very easy thing to rehab from. Most surgeons will tell you five centimeters, you're going to be getting back to a full hundred percent recovery. Like, but is two inches enough for you on the femurs, you know? And if you do like 
three and a half to four centimeters, four and a half centimeters on the tibias, you're probably going to make 100% recovery too, like I did, right? But the same thing goes. They have to put that nail through the knee tendon. You have to heal that up. They have to pull those rods out because when your devices are still implanted, let's say you have the nail in, you're not going to be 100%. You've got to get that thing out because especially in the tibia, the screws go through the, like around the interosseous membrane, like where tibia and fibula connect. So I feel like you're, you're, there's a little bit of rigidity. There's, it's not like fluid motion where your bones can kind of flex and your muscles can flex and you can be natural. So get your devices removed, then push re, rehab and rebuilding 100%. See, for me, it was lengthening, rehab, then I you know consolidated, then I did some rebuilding, but I realized I had to get the thing out at the one year. Okay, I, I re rebuilt about 80%. I said, okay, let me get it, get it out. Then it was a, another rehab, and then it was a 100% rebuild, okay? So I was being very strategic. It was a chess game for me. I said, okay, when does this journey really when, – when can I start pushing things and say, hey, look, I'm 100% natural? It's called cyborg for life, but <laughs> when am I going to have all the devices removed? When can I start saying, hey, look, I want to be permanent after this and be done with it? Do you think there are some concerns that come with this surgery? Um, hold on. There we go. Do you think that there is some – shoot, why did that go off? Sorry. Uh, do you think there are some concerns that come with this surgery becoming more well-known? Also, thanks for everything you do. Well, thank you for being here with me. Um, yeah, so that come with the surgery becoming more well-known. Yeah. Yeah, there is. There is, honestly. Here's what I think about that. That's a fantastic question, actually, and I want to say, say this. I think that what we're doing here with Cyborg for Life is – turned out better than I could expect. And the reason why I say that is because um, this is a positive community. I built it from scratch, meaning that there wasn't a, you guys are the ones who want the surgery. You guys are prospective patients who want to get this done. So you guys are, it's a positive community, right? I built it the way better than I thought it would be. I said, if I do this, I start talking about all this crazy surgery, um, you know, all kinds of crazy trash talk and negativity is going to come, but it didn't. Like I might get a crazy comment here and there, but like Honestly, this is like the most amazing. That's why I love doing this because you guys are so awesome. And, but I think that, now don't get me wrong. I do get a few weird looks from people who know that I'm doing this. Like sometimes at the gym or wherever I'm at, people check what I'm up to. And I'm, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm open about what I'm doing right now, but I can handle that. Like I'm, I'm happy to handle that because I'll be the spokesperson for this. I don't care because this changed my life so much. And I know what it can do for those who want to get taller too, stature lengthening, okay? And I'm, I'm going to speak openly about this procedure if asked about it. I'm not going to go on to the news if, unless they you know, ask me, but like, I'm not going to purposely try to make this more popular. It's going to get that way from the patients doing it and people searching for how to get taller. It's naturally going to – people are going to find out, but I hope they find out organically, like, you know what I mean? I, that's why I don't run any ads or do anything stupid like that. It's, it's a community that I'm building, like a kind of like a, a community, you know what I mean? So, but I think that my biggest fear with this getting more popular and well-known is that it's going to get undergo scrutiny. Um, the people who think it's bizarre and extreme, they're going to come in and say all kinds of crazy crap. Um, and I think that, you know, that can be a bad thing if it's not matured and shows enough good turnouts, patient turnouts, you know what I mean? So like, once we have enough patient cases that say, hey, look, that person has recovered and they're happy, they, that person's taller, they, they went on the date with the person they wanted, they got married and they had kids and they, they're happy, they lived properly, um, that person got the job that they wanted, that person fixes discrepancy, he's not going to have scoliosis anymore, that person was able to get back to his sports and do that, that person doesn't have you know, uh, a congenital femoral deficiency anymore, things like that. 
That's what we need more of. That's why I started this patient-centric channel, and that's why I'm doing this, because I want it to grow. I'm trying to mold the industry before it becomes mature, if you know what I mean. So I'm trying to make it positive before there's enough negativity to muffle it out. I hope that makes sense. So that's why I'm really doing this because I don't want the negativity because there are people who want to do this just to, you know, talk about it. There, obviously when Alfonso came out with his story and he talked about it, he got a lot of negativity. And I know you guys probably heard of that. Um, it wasn't his fault. It was just the way that the public's not ready for this yet. But if we do enough on our part to say, you guys rehab really, really well, you follow the guidelines that the surgeons talk about on this channel, you guys are staying within those safe limits, you re rehab 100%. And you live your lives properly and you share your story and you can go on and do what you want that's fine then the world can see this they can say hey look i see myself in that person i get it done and then now i can go and um you know change the world too you you, you might be that one person who pays it forward for somebody else you know what i mean that's what that's what this is all about this isn't this isn't my channel this is our channel i just might be the one talking here at eight o'clock 8 30 on thursday night <laughs> But anyway, I love it, guys. I love everything. I love you guys. Um, all right, next one. Oh, wait, where did it go? What the heck happened? Oh, dang, we have more. You guys are awesome. All right, let me see if we can get this done. All right, we'll stay. I'll, I'll keep going until we clear this out. I, I don't mind. I'll, I'll, no more than 9 o'clock, though, because I got to train. I got to get to sleep. <laughs> Do you know of Memphis Depay? He had ACL surgery. Do I know Memphis Depay? He had ACL surgery because of an injury, and within two months, he was back in training, and within six to eight months, he was back to his life, I guess. I believe you could potentially get the same after limiting surgery. So ACL surgery, yeah, once it heals, like Dr. Robbins said on his limiting live, he had a patient who had it, and he was back. He was fine. Okay, because it's a different – I mean, it's not going to affect things. You're, you're lengthening your bones. The ACL is a completely different ligament. It's in a different area. Because almost everybody who has ACL injury in soccer did not play the same after, but DePay has been in his best form since. Yeah, and a lot of people recover a lot better than others because they push hard in rehab, and some people just naturally have a better rehab than that. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So I can't say for sure. Like, like I said, every patient's different. Um, I'm going to be 100% different than somebody else over here, but they, we might recover the same, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Practice with the practice. I, I, I dare you. I want everybody to do it. Anybody who hasn't had limiting surgery done and is on this chat listening, I want you guys to practice with the crutches, the wheelchair, and the uh, the walker, shower chair, whatever else. Practice with it, okay? And see how it turns out. You can email me. Um, emails are completely confidential. Let me know how it goes. I want to know how did you guys manage through? Was it harder than you thought? Um, even practice stretching, doing the physical therapy, you know, for four hours a day, just spend one weekend day, take a Saturday. If you're off on a Saturday or a Sunday or some holiday or whatever, say, Hey, look, I'm going to devote this day to a practice trial run of limb lengthening surgery. Okay. Uh, the process and act as if you're lengthening, do everything. Okay. And I guarantee you're going to find out that it's a lot more involved than you think you are. And then practice getting your meals. If you're going for a non-weight bearing device versus a weight bearing device, if you have an external fixator, you're cleaning your wounds to keep out infection. Um, do you have a caretaker? Do you have a phone nearby? Do you need to get this off the, the counter? Practice. Practice, practice makes perfect. <laughs> it's growing. Did you see Dr. Mabuvian on TikTok? Is he really on the TikTok? <laughs> what is he doing on there? What is he doing? Is he dancing or something? <laughs> I can't even imagine. I, I was going to make a TikTok way back. Um, the, 
Yeah. Now the. Okay. Here we go. If you're pretty loose and flexible after you finish lengthening, does that bode well for transitioning to walking? Keeping in mind that you still haven't put any weight on your legs. Yes, it does bode well. Um, if you're loose and flexible, you're going to be a step ahead of those who are tight. Absolutely. Um, but now once you start to walk, the thing is being loose and flexible will help you in terms of the range of motion, but it won't help you in terms of the weakness of your muscles. So that's a whole other thing. That's part of the rebuilding. So when you start to walk, you're going to notice that you're still wobbly, and that just comes from muscle stability and strength. So you're going to have to rebuild those hip abductors, hip adductors, hamstrings, glutes, uh, quadriceps, hip flexors, calves, you know, all that. It's going to need a lot of stability, foot training. So, but that, a lot of that just comes from walking naturally, walking longer distances, then eventually, you know, walking, scaling inclines, stairs, downstairs, um, standing, and, standing and sitting down in the chair, um, being more mobile, flipping over and uh, on the side on the bed, all of this stuff is going to be very important because those muscles that we just kind of naturally have, if we're normal right now, then when you undergo lengthening, they have they've been sitting there for you know twelve to sixteen weeks, especially if you did the full lengthening. <sighs> I thought you were two hundred and forty pounds. You look big as hell. Thanks. <laughs> now, now, guys, I am uh, two hundred and ten pounds. Like I said, I'm just shy of five nine. Um, but yeah, no, the reason why I really say five, eight on a lot of bodybuilding shows when I, when I go is a little strategy. So in bodybuilding in natural bodybuilding, when I compete, right, the judges will have, if it's a big show, like the world championships where we had like 27 guys, um, they ask us for height. Usually they just do it by weight, but they ask us for height so they could, they could make the matchups look pretty even. So I said, I'm five, eight, so I could be in the middleweight class and uh, be more competitive. And I won that class, and then I was able to be in the top three at that world championship show because it's like a preliminary semifinals and then finals. So it was awesome. It worked really well for me. But, yeah, thanks, man. I, I, um, I'm trying to build a perfectly proportioned physique. Um, it's not going to be perfect, perfectly proportioned because of the limiting, um, my discrepancy for those years. But it's going to be good enough to beat some other people. Like I said, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Um, can I still get surgery despite the injury? Yeah, you can depending on what type of injury it is. <laughs> but if you're talking about the ACL injury, yeah, you can. Just talk to your surgeon. They should probably be able to blow right past that. This procedure is going to blow up for sure. Oh, what's this? Oh, somebody just pay me? <laughs> oh, it's a question. Oh, this is that little little chat thing that I enabled way back when. I didn't know you could do that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, okay, so somebody's asking, become, becoming a Navy SEAL after... Leg lengthening, is it possible? Mm. All right. So I know my cousin was in the Navy, but here's the, here's the take on this. So all right, let's pin this question. Uh, wait, it is pinned. Okay. So I don't, know, I don't know what the physical examiners are like at the Navy, but I think that if you get it done, let's say that you're, you're, let's say you're like 16, or let's say you're done growing at like 17, 18, 19, whatever. Let's just say you get it done pre-Navy, you're still, you're, you're done growing, you get it done conservatively, you heal up, you get your, your device removed, you heal up again, you rehab and you rebuild. I believe that you can go into the Navy or any military service as long as you're able to do everything that they can do and, and better. You know what I mean? Like be better than people. Don't let the surgery hold you back. Just stay strong up here and I think that you can, but do it conservatively. Um, and I think that you probably could. Will they see on an x-ray what happens to your leg and say, you had this? Who cares? Like, I don't think that's going to hold you back if you can do everything that everybody else in the Navy can. You know what I mean? 
but how bad do you want to be in Navy? Because that is rigorous training just as, just as much as leg length, leg length than he is. So that's going to challenge you. So wait till you're fully rehabbed and rebuilt. Like you're going to not want to go right in like a six months after consolidating. You're going to want to wait that full two, two and a half years so you can fully, you know, heal up, you know what I mean? And rebuild so that no, they won't notice anything unless they look at an x-ray. That's what, that's why when I went into the, for my knee injury, uh, back in March, he was like, oh, I see you had leg lengthening done when we were looking at the knee. I was like, or you had an internal uh, implant of some sort. I was like, how'd you know? He said, I can see it. You know what I mean? So they might see something. Say you had some sort of correction done for, um, you know, a deformity correction because you don't want to have any type of rotational deformity. Just say that. They don't know. They should know enough. They should know enough about this procedure until it gets really big. <laughs> so, yes, but definitely conservatively, lengthen conservatively. Um, don't do anything to the extreme unless you're confident that you can fully recover. Great question. Um, where are we at? Oh, oh, this is about Dr. Mabuvian <laughs> on TikTok. So apparently Dr. M, Dr. Mabuvian in, uh, Las Vegas is on, I mean, not Las Vegas, Los Angeles is on, um, TikTok <laughs> and this person's saying that he He's promoting showing a patient results and explaining it. Oh, okay. So he's just doing videos over there. Okay. I thought he was like dancing with his patients or something. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's a good question. So, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. That was a amazing question you asked. Um, Victor, what is the fastest period that you can do the surgery from A to Z from start to end of rehab if you have the full 100 focus and time to dedicate your life to the process. I'm trying to think, ah, man, I'm trying to think. So to basically, <laughs> this person, oh man, I appreciate it. Appreciate the donation, but I'm not going to answer that other question on here. <laughs> nah, we're going to keep it PG, PG, at least PG 13. Nah, but um, I think there's surgeries for that. I think there's surgeries for that, but um, where were we? Um, so the fastest way to get this lengthening done is basically to find out what you want to lengthen, get, gather the money that you need to lengthen the surgery. And then, um, basically just, you know, reach out to a surgeon that you really trust and you feel has enough experience to get through this procedure safely with you. Um, make sure they have a proper rehab team and aftercare set in place and then go for it, you know? Do it safely. Use all the, the, the interviews that I put together. Research uh, the limiting forum. Talk to other patients that, that surgeons have had. You got to do the research phase. Like I have a video on the process of getting through to getting from research to getting the surgery done. Go through that video. Make sure you check off each step. Okay, you have to research. I promise you, if you don't do enough research, that's going to make, make you the most. I didn't do enough research, but I was just like in so much pain both psychologically and physically i said i don't care like i did a i had like three weeks to make up my decision before conway needed to plan the surgery and i said i don't care let's just do this thing you know she was like fever so much better victor and i was like let's do tibias dr conway and she was like you don't know enough victor i was like yes i do so um but definitely plan out research properly um matt like i said do a trial run for the rehab practice see if you can put this into your lifestyle because limb lengthening cannot be your lifestyle, but it has to integrate, weave into your current lifestyle. Because if it can't, it's gonna it's gonna throw a wrench and make it really really hard. Weight limits for height. Weight limits for height, right? 
Oh, you might be talking to somebody else. I'm sorry. Um, also, you love your vids. Thank you. Keep it up. Yeah, I'll keep it up. Thank you. Yeah, I got to get that interview back with this human growth expert. He does like studies with other all over the world, and he talks about proportions too. He talks about – he's a proportion expert. I got to get him on. He's a PhD. He's huge. Make some physiotherapy videos. So I have – see – Tony Stark. <laughs> I have physiotherapy. I have like one physical therapy video and I have like, um, so I have one that's pre-surgery stretching and then I have one that's post-surgery kind of rehab re exercise. I'll probably do more lifting stuff. So I have a program and I don't want to be the salesman here, but I do have a program that I feel has a lot of pre-surgery stretching that's huge. During lengthening, you're going to want to follow, follow your physical therapist um, routine because some patients can't do certain stretches, okay, because every patient's going to be different. Some patients can. Like me, I would have not cared. I would have done stuff that above and beyond um, to get back faster because I was already kind of semi-smart in that space. But follow your, sur your surgeon and your physical therapist during the lengthening. But then pre- and post-surgery, my program's perfect for that. <laughs> but um, I'll probably do some lifting videos and show you guys some, like, stuff that you can do for sure. I'm not here. This is not here for me to make a profit, like, off you guys, like, one day I hope I get some super big brand deal or sponsorship so I can keep this going as a full-time business because I love this stuff. But, um, yeah. Hey, Vic, I hope you are fine. Mine five. High five. All right, guys, we got 13 minutes. I'm gonna, like I said, 9 o'clock hits. We are out of here. <laughs> yeah, there's surgeries for that. Do, oh, good question. Do new people you meet in life know that you got limiting surgery since you are quite known on the net? Probably people have seen your videos. No, I'm actually not, I don't think anybody knows anything. Um, and yeah, whatever, what do we have here? 9,000 subscribers? Yeah, that's nothing compared to some people's YouTubes, like millions of followers and subscribers. Uh, yeah, like I said, this isn't, I want to grow the channel for the community for patients to find out information, but this isn't here for me to like, like, uh, like I said, I would love to like, you know, make, you know, like get sponsorships or whatever like that. So I could make this into a business, but at the same time, like I'm not here to, you know, so, so I, I don't, nobody really finds out. They say, Hey, I know you from YouTube, at least not yet. Patients do patients say, Hey, look, do you know cyborg for life? I love that. That's pretty cool. Cause I'm like a little celebrity in the space, but nah, no, nah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I have my link on my Instagram. I think it is like the website because I want people to know that I'm not dead because I haven't posted on Instagram in forever. Um, mainly because um, I haven't gotten back to bodybuilding yet, and it gets kind of confusing. Plus, I'm super busy with this. I get a lot of questions. This turns into like a full-time job. I like it. But um, nobody's really found out. There's people who know what I'm doing, and then they won't outright ask me. So it's kind of like if they see you – let's say you got cosmetic lengthening done for three inches, and you start walking around your workplace, and they say they know something's different about you. They, like, look at you, and they're like, yeah, you look taller, right? But – they don't want to sit. They don't want to outright like ask you. They're just like they can't. They can't comprehend what's going on. So I think that's happened. People are like, yeah, I know what you're doing, Victor. Like, why are you talking about that? Like, I get those looks. Yeah, for sure. Like people who know me and they click on the link. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The proportion expert interview. I got to get that done. I got to read it. It's a massive book or ebook. He's gonna. By the way, we're gonna promote his book on here. So get ready to buy it. <laughs> Did I buy longer pants after my surgery? No. Well, actually, I think slightly. 
Like I said, because we have a discrepancy, it's weird. So I don't like, I gained height, but a lot of it was from my spine because I had that scoliosis. So it's weird. So um, I think I went up like, a, I don't remember what my pant length was. Maybe it was like a 28 or 29 to it. And then I went to a 30. I don't, I don't really remember, but I think it was slightly, slightly. Not really though. But I know that patients who do more than two inches, they usually get longer pants. Or at least, yeah, more than two inches, like two and a half or more. Yep. Good question. Once your doctor says you're allowed to walk, does that mean only walking on a level surface? Or can you go up and downstairs unassisted too? No, don't go up and Well, you can. You can absolutely walk up and downstairs. Uh, but don't, don't walk unassisted. Keep a crutch to your side and use the railing. Don't, don't, don't do it right away. Like use those things for like a week or two and then maybe even longer because going down the stairs is harder than going up. Going up the stairs is easier from what I remember, especially tibia lengthening. So I remember the day that I was able to walk unassisted. Dr. Conway said, you're good to go. And I walked out. Um, it was like the day or two before Thanksgiving. And I remember that I walked out from Sinai and I was walking to my car and I realized that um, well, my calf was still tight, but then I realized it was weird for me walking for one, because I was trying not to trip on the concrete, but how did I get down those stairs? I, I used my crutch and I used the railing to kind of like manage down, but I was, I was walking like a macho guy. I was like, oh yeah, I'm, 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 I'm good. I'm taller. I'm fixed up. I don't have an unbalanced leg anymore, but definitely walk on a level surface and use a crutch with the railing to be safe. Because even though you are able to wait there, most likely the full, all the four cortices and the full bone regenerates, not all there. You're not fully consolidated. So we don't want any stress fractures or any breaks or any problems. So just be safe. Perhaps to stretch the ligaments is a good preparation. Ligaments are very, if you, like in dissection and medical gross anatomy that I took in first year, med, like it's, it's, ligaments are very like kind of, think about like eating chicken, the white hard part of like a chicken bone, like at the top, like of a chicken, uh, what do they call those things? Drum, chicken drum, but whatever. That's like a ligament. You're going to realize that it's really hard. Okay. And, um, a lot of times they don't stretch very well. So stretching a ligament, to stretch a ligament is dangerous actually. Does it affect, I guess, limb lengthening affect your cardiovascular system, especially if you're genetically at risk for heart issue? Good question for a surgeon. Save that question for when Dr. Robbins comes back on. I'm not sure, but I don't think so, but I don't know. I mean, shouldn't, but if, you, if you're at risk for heart issues, I'm not going to say anything on that on here. Do microfractures make your bones wider also in length? Are you guys talking about that stuff? <laughs> now, I know that a lot of people use that, whatever it's called. I forgot what it's called, but um, microfractures to break your bones and then kind of, yeah, I mean, like doing that, your bone's going to heal it back with like some hypertrophy, but don't. That's not as efficient as load lengthening. And I'm not trying to sell the surgery. I'm just trying to say that you're probably going to be damaging yourself, your physical body. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate that comment. <laughs> no, is this my house? No, this is not my house. No, I don't live here. This is my workplace. This is my office where I worked in the day. Um... Yeah, we do. We, we deal with a lot of elderly patients, um, but we also have a physical therapy center. Um, we're still, we were supposed to reopen, actually. We are, re we are reopened, but we're waiting to, for the patients to get vaccinated. A lot of them are older. Um, 
So yeah. And then I do have my personal training studio right there. So I train there sometimes in the early morning and the evening. I had a few clients. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool thing. It's all in one spot. No, this, this is my house. Sometimes it has become my house because I've slept right there on that couch. Uh, don't tell the director, but yeah. I live in Belgium. Everyone is tall. I get the surgery in my mid-20s. I'm 20. Oh, you're just talking to somebody. Cool. All right, guys. So we are wrapping up here. I will take a few more questions if you have it. I, this is a two-hour live stream. I didn't, I didn't mind. You guys are easy to talk to. This is awesome. Like I said, I blocked out two hours because after 9 o'clock, I'm, I'm going to eat because your boys got to get some protein in the system. Cool, cool, cool. Awesome, guys. So I want to thank you guys. If you guys have any other questions, go ahead and throw them out there. But yeah, next week we're going to have on Limiting Live, we're going to have an actual Limiting patient. He's going to be on here. Uh, camera off, of course. We're not going to reveal any identities or anything like that. But he's going to be here to answer your guys' questions. He's getting Limiting done. I don't remember how far he's in. But uh, get your questions ready for him because if you want to find out what it's like while a patient's undergoing lim Limiting, you can ask him, okay? So that's what's going to happen next week. And the week after, we're going to have our surgeon back. So it kind of rotates like that. So you know, I thought this would be cooler because one, we can engage live. Um, it's not scripted or anything like that. We just have the interviews. You guys have your questions. You can get your actual questions answered on the spot. Um, yeah. And if you want, you want to ever send them in, I'll actually type the email in here live at cyborgforlife.com. Yeah. Feel free to like send your, your questions there. If you have questions about limb lengthening and stuff like that. Um, and then we'll have them answered on the live. So, um, but yeah, I want to thank you guys for coming and, um, yeah, as always, you're in good shape. Thank you for showing up Thor Fen. Thank you, Seppo. Yeah. Doing open plans. Cool. Yeah. So guys, I'm going to get ready to wrap up. Let's see. All right. We have a few questions here. So yeah, like I said, I'll stay here. Pretty fit. Okay, so is it possible to limb lengthening four inches? I'm pretty fit, so will limb lengthening throw off my physique and make my proportion? Yeah, this is kind of like another question. It can, it's going to depend on a lot of things, but yeah. So we're we're going we're gonna to answer that um, when the surgeon comes back on, because they're going or the proportion expert. But again, that's going to be like a, a a recorded interview. We don't usually do initial interviews on limb lengthening live. So thanks, guys. I really appreciate you showing up tonight. Thank you for not leaving me alone in this empty building. <laughs> No, but your boy's about to go eat and crash and then have a good weekend. So, yeah, very cool. So, you guys have an awesome one. Boy is out. So, thank you guys for showing up for Limiting Live. And as always, this is Victor from Cyborg for Life signing out. Have a good one.